everyone, and we're live. You're tuning to Cosmic Children. I'm your host, Kevin, and today I have an interesting guest in the studio with me. So I have Mark in the studio with me. Mark, could you please introduce yourself to the listeners who might not know who you are, might not know what you do? Please introduce yourself. Um, I'm Mark. I'm a photographer for the most part. Yeah. I run a company called Studio Periphery, yeah. and we focus on mostly photographing architecture, interiors, and the design world with a bit of a lifestyle aspect. Okay. <laughs> to 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 kickstart this conversation, I would like to get your 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 thoughts on what is a photographer in, in your definition, yeah. and would you consider yourself one? Yeah. Well, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I guess it's well, it's a tough question, man, dude. <laughs> <laughs> right from the giggle. <laughs> so vague. Yeah. Um, In your definition, yeah. Photographer. Well, I guess professionally, it's it's anyone who's making a living, you know, out of t- taking photos, right, mm. or making a career out of it. Um, but yeah, very broad uh, coverage. So yeah, I guess I guess to me, if you're making a living doing doing you know image making, you're a photographer. Okay. Yeah. So. You were speaking previously that you actually study audio engineering in Australia. <laughs> yeah. Not a joke, by the way. Yeah. So how did you get your start uh, doing photography? Uh, okay. So I think it was uh, 2013, moving back you know, from Melbourne. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like, you know, I couldn't think of anything else to do. And the music scene here seemed... Well, it seemed really small. What and what what time period was this? 2013, 20, 20, yeah, 2013, gotcha. 2014, I guess. And, you know, it was quite like reality set in that uh, I think if you were to have to go get constant gigs, constant jobs, it would be in the realm of, I don't know, life, life sound. Probably. Mm, yeah. And that wasn't something I was super into. I mean, I preferred like, Sitting in the studio, mixing, taking your time, <laughs> getting tones right, that sort of stuff. Like comfortable stuff, um, maybe getting a bit more technical. So yep. there was stuff like um, prior to coming back, a um, good friend of mine, Liam, he he lived in this mansion and had a studio in it. Okay. So um, every other day, we'd basically go there, drink beers, cook steaks, uh, record music. Damn. Like every night. Okay. And... Um, and we had friends who were like already, you know, professional engineers that would come in and use the space to record bands, like indie bands for, yep. for radio, for commercial purposes. So, you know, I was quite used to that lifestyle, you know, for at least a good two years. Gotcha. You know, uni was three years, right? Um, so coming back, thinking about setting up a studio was first like too costly. A music studio. Yeah. Okay. Right. Like equipment's not cheap, man. <laughs> yeah. You know, compressors and stuff. Like, yeah. you know, I, I liked hardware, mm. although you can do a lot of things with software now. Mm. But um, I liked physical things. Uh, I like vintage things as Go I still ahead. do now. Yep. And these things were, I guess, kind of one, a bit hard to acquire. Two, they were really expensive. And three, you kind of need a space for it. So that was all a bit too much taken. So the reality was like, okay. Uh, I guess if I were, were to do this music audio thing in Singapore, it would have been, you know, starting out in the live sound scene, which to me just didn't seem that fantastic. Okay. To be honest. So it wasn't appealing to you at all? No, not at all. I mean, there were a few bands um, that I was into here, like mostly friends who yeah. played in like small punk hardcore bands. 
um, that I'd met during the holidays, like just going to shows. Um, but it didn't seem realistically viable to make a career out of it. Okay. Yeah. So photography was then like an easier start because I already had a camera. I was already shooting. I was blogging a lot. Um, so yeah, it just seemed like, okay, I'm interested in this. In fact, maybe probably more interested in photography at this point because you never like, you know, maybe when you study something, you kind of lose a bit of interest. <laughs> I don't know if it's a bit <laughs> the same for everyone because yeah, you get yeah. a bit too technical and whatnot. So um, yeah, I ended up just, um, you know, pursuing like the other thing I was super interested in, which was at the time, lifestyle, fashion, photography. Yeah. Yeah. So, so this camera that you had, was it given to you by someone? Because I can't imagine it to be cheap. Uh, yeah, it wasn't. Year. So the year, either the year I had to move back, like early in the year. So you finish, when did I finish school? I don't know. <laughs> after, after I graduated, it was, it was start of the, the following year, the yeah. year I had to, I had to move back. So 2013, probably. Um, I remember I was still using a Nikon D90, which I got during NS. So, so I grew up, I did high school in Adelaide, came back for NS for two years and then went to Melbourne for uni, right? Uh, during, I think it was the second year of NS, I got a Nikon D90, which is at the time was, um, like revolutionary, right? Like okay. you could shoot stills and do like decent video on it. So that kind of survived, um, most or my entire uni days, gotcha. like, you know, just taking it with me everywhere I went and, you know, just shooting photos and blogging about it. Then just before I moved back for some reason, um, I was like, okay, now I need to, you know, I'm quite comfortable with this whole thing. I want to upgrade to a full frame camera. So I begged my mum for like a bit, <laughs> bit more money. <laughs> I was how, like, how much more money are we talking like about? Like four grand or so? Four grand. Yeah. Okay. Which, which was like a huge amount yeah. back then, right? Yeah. I mean, probably still is now. But, um, you know, in hindsight, it was like um, such a good investment because that camera was like at the time, again, was another groundbreaking model. Mm. So I, th- I think that's what caught my attention. So I was like, you know, mom, I need this. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Were there any conditions or what, what, what happened when, when, when you asked her? Well, I mean, like she, they, they follow my work online because, um, they follow your work. Yeah. Because I mean, that was the only way they're going to keep in touch. Right. Like, gotcha. so when I was, um, I think at the time they were living in Vietnam because my mom got posted there. Yeah. So my, my mom, dad's sister was living in Vietnam and, and, you know, we'd Skype like once a week or once a month, the kind of thing. <laughs> but, you know, I'd post on my blog, like, I did, I did some like project where I posted something every day. Like gotcha. it was like a diary, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, they, they'd seen that obviously I have, you know, huge interest in photography and they're very supportive. Um, so yeah, she was nice enough to like loan me a bit of cash to get this D800 camera. Okay. And were there oh, any conditions that you had to fulfill for her? Or? Not really, man. Like, I guess it was just like trust, right? <laughs> <laughs> so we so yeah, really so, could have went both ways, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, so um, D eight hundred, and then I was like, well, now I need a lens for like a full frame camera because it doesn't mm. like like the uh, crop crop frame camera, camera what they call them, but they the lenses don't really work. Like they 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 don't work in their full focal length okay. on full frame cameras, obviously. So I was like, well, I need this other lens, and um, I was like, I'll just get one. And for some reason, so most people would go out and get like maybe a zoom lens or okay. something, something that covers more ground, right? Mm. I was like, nah, I need a, I need an 85, which is relatively long lens, like for the most part. Like, so, so these are lenses that people mostly shoot portraits with. Okay. So, so, so it's you, less functional in, in a school, school, in, in a full school of functionality, but it's more specific. Yeah. It's more specific. Okay. Um, and I just wanted something long because I liked, 
well, after doing a bit of research at the time, I was like, well, long lenses are supposed to give you visual, like, well, separation of your subject to whatever's behind gotcha. if you shoot shallow enough. Yep. Well, even if you don't. Um, so I was like, okay, I need this in my life. This is going to change, uh, <laughs> you know, my photography, blah, blah, blah. Because I was shooting a lot of like, you know, I used to be like super into shoes and clothes and all this stuff. So I'd like blog about every new sneaker I got. Mm. So yeah, it just made sense. And then I guess that lens kind of like, changed the way I saw things and kind of like led to what we're, how, how we see things now, I guess. Gotcha. So yeah. with regards to your bllogging and stuff like that, mm -hmm. do you remember any early influences that in, like, inspired you, you yeah, to heaps. do something like that? Um, straight off the top, Ryan Wilms, who used to run Inventory Magazine. Okay. He had a sick, like, well, the magazine was dope and he had a really good blog. He'd just do like one photo you know, I think it, it was like, you just like write about a t-shirt or something. What, you know? what, what exactly is Inventory Magazine about? Uh, I guess they're based, they were based in uh, Vancouver. They were like a men's lifestyle magazine focusing a lot on Japanese labels. And, you know, it was just like a well-printed magazine. I think it was like one or two issues a year. Oh. And they feature lots of designers that I was into at the time. So, you know, it was just like a well-printed, well, you know, put together magazine, a thick magazine. Um... And they always had like dual covers. Oh, so one in the front and flipped. No, 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 like like two separate covers altogether. Oh, so some magazines do it now with special editions, but they constantly put out like two different covers. And the photography was great, content was great, like really good writing. You know, super in depth coverage on like, you know, when you like something, you want to read more about like say an artist or designer. So they covered like uh, fashion, lifestyle, I think music sometimes, and. You know, just travels and stuff like that. So I just liked that that curation. So Ryan Ryan Wilms, you know, was one of those where followed his blog and then kind of continued with like, I guess, supporting the magazine as well because I collect a lot of these magazines. Yeah. Um, Vincent Tsang, this guy, I think he's based yeah based in Canada as well. Um, if I'm not wrong, he does dime now. Uh, oh, the, the clothing. Brand. Oh, the clothing brand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he had a really good blog and. He was one of those dudes that would like reply your comments as well oh. on WordPress. <laughs> yeah, so I was just like, oh, okay, cool. You know, this guy, um, he used to blog about cool shit. Like, I think it was through his blog that I found out about um, like brands like Acronym and stuff like that. Oh. So yeah, huge inspiration. Guy was super into like, you know, he was a photographer. Uh, he didn't skate. Asian guy, you know, didn't skate, but hung out with like, like, like local skate crews, yep. like based on what I read and saw yep. anyways, but was like, at the same time, super into things like, you know, interiors, furniture. Um, and at the time, I think he had a lot of like VisVim stuff as well, which I okay. was like, whoa. Yeah. You know, at the time, you, you're just buying like Nike stuff and VisVim <laughs> seemed like godly level, yeah, yeah, right? So I was when like, When I get whoa. my paycheck, I'll get that. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Oh, a couple of paychecks. <laughs> a couple so, <laughs> so I was like, okay, this guy, this guy is on point, you know? And then, you know, further down the line, he, he would then go on to do things with like dime and and stuff with like i think high snobiety and stuff like that so yeah. i thought i thought that was pretty cool so i think mainly those two canadian based guys were like huge inspirations i'm sure there are like tons of others because everyone had a blog yeah after <laughs> so were, were you blogging to do you remember if you were blogging to an audience or were you blogging to the void or were you just documenting as as, as mm. whatever that went on with you it was, I mean, documenting was one thing. Like, I, I, I remember I had a tagline that read, um, 
like something along the lines of like the need to document everything. Okay. So so it was like I would post. Um, I think I ran like a bunch of accounts simultaneously. So it was like WordPress, where it was like main like you know it was like your website back then. <laughs> yeah, back then. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then there was a Tumblr, which I just threw images up on. Um, and then obviously SoundCloud for like my music stuff, you know, in school and whatever else. So WordPress was just like a way to have like a, it was like a business card, right? Like, mm. You know, you'd uh, be able to post like, okay, today I did this and that at school and this is my finished project, da, da, da. And I liked, you know, documenting the process. So I'd shoot, you know, when if it was just me or a friend and I, you know, at, at the studio at his house doing something and then the whole process and maybe I'd share a link or like embed like a URL to listen to that track mm. or share a video or something yep. I was into. Yep. So it's just one of those like um, all encompassing like. It's very natural. Yeah. Lifestyle. Um, you know, like if you want to find out more about me and there were people who read it. I mean, I don't think it's as crazy as Instagram these days, but mm. um, you know, you, you made friends around the world, like people you didn't even know, like just someone who would comment or, I don't know if you could like things back then, but yeah, people would leave comments and you just have a conversation with like strangers, which yeah, is yeah. nice. You know, yeah. people who were like, seek you out somehow. I think that was a nice thing to have. Were you, do you remember of any collaborations that you did with people via uh, them via being the your blog? audience? Yeah. Mm, not so much, I think. Like okay. we definitely could find, um, well, locally then in Melbourne, at least, you could find a lot of other like photographers, like people in the scene. And at the time, because um, I was going to a lot of shows, like like music, like gigs, um, you know, it was kind of like a way to like connect with other photographers that you maybe saw at a show, but, you know, you see them snapping away, but you never see the photos, right? Yep. So, you know, those that were nice enough, you know, would connect and then maybe you'd hang out and talk a little bit about how how the scene works <laughs> <laughs> nothing nothing too serious i guess yeah yeah <laughs> yeah yeah so so nothing like it wasn't some like you know insane like brand collaboration or yep, anything it yeah. was more it was quite organic super casual yeah 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 it's just a good way to make friends so with studying in australia and growing up a little bit there and coming mm. back to singapore mm. on, on on hindsight uh, how did that uh, living over there and uh, going to school there, how, how did it influence uh, how you think about things right now and what mm. do you think it's one of like the uh, the stark contrast when you came back to Singapore mm. what, what what do you see was missing mm, well as everyone knows I guess the the pace of life is a lot slower in Australia okay right um, especially like you know growing up in, in Adelaide as well like that's South Australia that's Probably like the equivalent of Perth. Like, I don't know which is more boring, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, obviously people in Adelaide would say Perth is like, oh, I'm boring, yeah. mining town, whatever. Yeah. But, um, you know, I think generally like the difference would be, I think people are more chill. They take time to, you know, relax. Okay. And I don't know if this is because, um, you know, I, I grew up there mostly as a student. So generally like you don't have shit to do, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. You're, you're just hanging out most days if yeah. not you're at school. Um. But yeah, there was a stark contrast coming back here and, you know, people are just more uptight. Um, you know, I never really liked Singapore growing up. Okay. Um, I thought it was a nice, convenient place to be. And I still have to think about that now. You know, maybe, maybe I feel more in touch now than I did then because, you know, I was shipped over there like, 11 or 12 years old right <laughs> so so that that's most of the years that you actually remember yep growing up yep and um 
you know, coming back here, especially the first time uh, for NS at 18, mm-hmm. you know. It's totally foreign to you. Yeah, it's it? totally foreign. Yeah. You lose all your relationships, like whether it's like your 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 best friends or if, you know, you had a girlfriend at the time, yep. whatever. Everything is hard. And then, you know, it's not even like a slow, um, you know, like you're not, you're not, you're not acclimating at a gradual pace, you know, yep. you come back at 18, straight up, you get sent to like Takong for yeah. camp, right? You shave all your <laughs> hair off, you get to hang out with every Tom, Dick and Harry from all walks of life, yep. you know, and yeah, I mean, it was like culture shock, mm. you know, but at the same time, you know, it was, it was interesting and fun. I wouldn't say fun. Uh, it was interesting because um, it's like you just get thrown in the deep end and, you know, you get to meet a bit of everything and get to know, you know, like, like crash course pace yeah. of how you know what what people in your generation are like now you know mm-hmm. in singapore people who grew up here or maybe someone you, you know occasionally you meet someone just like yourself right who maybe did not grow up here or was born here and then just spent his entire life overseas and for some reason has to come back and surf yeah so yeah i mean probably the biggest contrast is uh pace of life and sense of community you know aussies are really um you know, for each other, they're like helping okay. each other out. The, everyone's really friendly to everyone else. Um, whilst here is more like, um, you know, to each his own, right? Like, yeah. Have like, you heard of this kampong spirit that we keep peddling? Kampong spirit? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I keep hearing about it. <laughs> uh, no, what, what about what about this kampong spirit? <laughs> it's supposed to promote community and stuff like that. Really? And good feelings. Uh, <laughs> you know, that comes organically. I, I, I hope like with our generation at least, because, you know, we we are more, um, we're more exposed, right? Like we come from For a generation. Worse, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like most of us um, have traveled, right? Um, we were born in an era where, you know, more people had money and, and better access to things. So you'd hope with, with this um, openness, you know, and, and kind of um, exposure to other cultures as well, whether you, you grew up overseas or, 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 you know, paid a visit to some countries, you know, you, you kind of come back and you, you think about how, th- you know, you can apply some positive things to your own place. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think um, there is still that contrast, but um you know, I, I, I would hope it, it gets better. <laughs> <laughs> when when you say pace of life, do you yeah. mean uh, how people regard and see life over there? Like uh, they they tend to take things a little bit slower. They perhaps don't yeah. work as much. They they mm-hmm. they end their work on time and they go and relax for the rest of the day. Do you mean something like that? I, I guess to a certain extent, I can I can probably say that for every. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think if you were a lawyer, for example, I, I, probably not the same as, mm. as a musician. But, um, you know, people were just generally more um, more open about, you know, maybe let's just take some time off, go have a drink after work. You know, here it feels more like um, it's like a special occasion. Right? Oh, you go yeah. for a drink with your friend, you <laughs> yeah. get to organize. Um, but there is like, you know, let's head to the bar, like, you know, after whatever and just have a couple of like beverages and chill. And then, you know, the next day, it's, you just go back to work and do the same thing, mm-hmm. you know, like, and, and, and this is like across, you know, all industries as well. You could be a tradesman or like, uh, like, like construction worker, or, you know, you could be someone who works in an office or an artist or musician, you know, there is that, there's that culture, which I feel is, is lacking here. I, I mean, it's growing clearly, like there are more bars <laughs> and stuff, yeah. you know, popping up. Yeah. 
Um, but um, it does feel more uh, like a festive thing here than mm. just like, let's go get a coffee. You know, for us, it's more like, uh, let's go to the kopitiam. There has to be something. Right? Yeah, you know, yeah. because it's, it's treated as something like slightly fancy. Whilst, you know, going to the bar is just going to the bar, right? You know, you, you go for beers and then if you get hungry, you just order like a palmy or something, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> like, like it, it's, it's, it's not forced, you know, to a certain extent. I feel here everything, um, you know, like at one point, maybe like seven years ago when cafe started becoming like a thing here and like going to a cafe was like, you know, like what the hell it was, um. It was like a special event, right? Yeah, like, yeah. like you're not drinking coffee, you're paying $6 or $5 for this thing. So you got to get dressed, you got to take photos of your fruit, all that kind of thing. But like having coffee in, in Australia is just having a coffee. Like you just pop into any cafe or the one you enjoy going to. And it won't be an occasion, you know, it'd just be like a chill spot or your spot. And that's that. Do you see things changing as to perhaps not exactly similar to how it is in Australia, but perhaps having like a middle ground? because mm, you, you spoke ground. that we are we are like more educated slowly. we're becoming yeah. more open mm. so perhaps there isn't that uh that regard for having to meet up just to perhaps talk about work or anything yeah, yeah, just yeah. to chill yeah uh, i guess so um i feel like probably with time you know people will get well one first numb to the fact that you don't have to take photos of all your food and stuff because it looks pretty <laughs> do people still do that I guess so. I okay. don't know. <laughs> Clearly, I don't right. know with the right crowd. But, uh, um, yeah, I mean, I mean, once things become like a norm, right? Like with anything, look, look at us now in this pandemic. Like mm. it, everything seems normal now. Like wearing a mask is just a normal thing. We are climatized very fast. Yeah. So, you know, I guess with that sort of stuff, you know, lots of cafes have come and gone because everyone wants to try, right? Yep. Um, yeah, I guess slowly it would become just like a, a normal thing to just, you know, have slightly more expensive coffee because you prefer you know how it makes you feel or what it tastes like or yeah, maybe yeah. it's the cafe's uh ambiance right like mm. maybe um your mates with the barista or whatever and you just like having that in your life yeah so i guess i guess it will get to that point where it doesn't become uh you know an occasion just to drink slightly better coffee or slightly i wouldn't say better because i like kopi <laughs> but um you know Slightly pricier coffee, S specialized coffee. Yeah, I do have a question about uh, your your time uh, in Australia. Mm. Can I assume that you were living alone, or were you living with someone else? Uh, high school, I was boarding, so in boarding school. Yeah. Um, and then uni. Uh, the first year, I lived with two friends. One who had also did high school in Melbourne. Another was from. Uh, I'm not sure if it was, she was Singaporean, but um, she. She was like a girlfriend of a friend at the time in Singapore yep. that I met during um, my NS days and had just enrolled in um, school in Melbourne. So we lived together for that one year. Second year, um, I shared with someone. Yeah, I guess I was always living with friends. Just Do you think friends. that the early independence from your family has helped you, um, has, perhaps, has perhaps shaped the way you look at things? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, well, I guess it's just like independence, right? Mm. So, yeah. Let me elaborate on that. Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, well, it comes naturally, so it's hard to... Um, <laughs> Did you have to make your own money and stuff like that? What's up? No, I was privileged, man. <laughs> just let's be real. Like, I tried working in a cafe. Um, 
<laughs> they fire you after the first week? No, I didn't even show up, man. Um, <laughs> like literally, I think I did a couple of shifts and I was like, you know, like this, this sucks. Like, yeah. um, it was this cafe that was just down the road. So I think it was the second year of uni. I had moved to this old, um, like I like these walk-up apartments, like these very mid-century apartments uh, in South Yarra and like just off Chapel Street in, okay. in, in Melbourne. And, you know, decided um, it was just some coincidence. Like this guy here who opened a cafe like years ago had also, I think, studied in in in, in Melbourne Worked at this cafe that happened to be on the street I lived on. We got in conversation in Singapore and he was like, yo, I'll hook you up with the owners. And I was like, okay. Um, I think my girlfriend at the time started work first. Um, and then I was like, you know, I feel like I should probably contribute. Right? <laughs> so I was like, yeah, let me, let me try to get a job. I think I had probably applied at Vans. Yeah, I did apply at Vans and, and a couple of like these, what I thought were cool stars yep. at the time yep. and like never, you know, never, never went. went back. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, yeah, so the cafe was, was they were nice enough to to take me in, you know, just to do a couple of like part time shifts, and the people who worked there were nice as well, like the other guys that were like roughly my age. Um, but I really didn't get along with the owners. They were they were, they were quite old. Um, okay, it's like they were they were grandparents. Gotcha. And this is like in a slightly nice neighborhood as well, so you know everyone was a bit like chichi and stuff like that. Them. So I was just like, you know, I mean, I appreciate that. I like nice things and nice areas, <laughs> but um. Like I, I really didn't appreciate um, smelling like vinegar all day because they were known for. I mean, poached eggs were all the okay. age back then. Yeah. So they did, you know, really good poached eggs, I guess. And and um, you'd come home after doing like a couple of hours smelling like <laughs> like poached eggs, and I we just wasn't really into that. You know, didn't really get along with the owners, and I think uh, the whole thing went down. Like, yeah, I, I remember what happened. Um, my laptop had crashed and I had wonderful. Yeah. My laptop yeah. had crashed and I needed to deliver something that week for school. Like it was, uh, I had to mix something and, and like gotcha. get it, get it out. Um, so I, I think I told her it was on a weekend or something. And I told, told the uh, lady boss, I was like, yo, you know, I can't come in because yep. I need to get this thing fixed. It's important to me. Yep. And she was like, Oh, you can't do that. You know, because, uh, we've, we've, we've got this, like, I don't know. Someone's booked out the cafe was small cafe for for some kind of party and you know we need all hands on deck and i was just like nah screw, <laughs> screw that yeah. uh my work's more important you know selfishly and so i just didn't rock up so it was awkward because the rest of the year i had to walk on the other side of the road to get back home <laughs> or take the hill <laughs> yeah so so it was just really weird i had to like just avoid eye contact with the yeah, cafe yeah. It was just around the corner from the train station as well i'm oh, not sure dear. if it's still there but anyone uh i guess if they're listening and living in that area now but, but yeah it's weird so um yeah i tried that and then after that i was like no nah, i'm not i'm not made for this man so just just went on the jobless thing again gotcha <laughs> so you mentioned blogging journaling and how uh, just just taking photos of whatever that was happening came really natural to you mm-hmm. so and you mentioned about fashion photography mm-hmm. so how did how did you get started into that what how did you get started in that uh, so I like clothes. I like shoes and have always bought a lot of shoes. Um, so what, I guess the photography thing, you know, got serious when I had to come back and actually start a career mm. and, you know, I didn't want to work for anyone. I was still on this hating street here. You know, I didn't, I didn't like anyone. I didn't know the scene. Um, 
but fortunately, my sister had also moved back the same year from New York, and she studied uh, fashion journalism. If I wasn't I'm not wrong, okay. And she she's like Korea's woman, so she got a job like in Singapore prior to even moving back, like okay. prior to even graduating. So her boss at the time at this rather large or oh, big company, big brand, um, she I think had an offer and invested, you know offer her a position to, you know, kind of like captain a startup in Singapore, an online um, women's wear thing. Gotcha. And so my sister had already been like promised a job with that boss. And, um, you know, I think it all started like quite quickly for them. They got this, you know, warehouse space where they had like all the inventory, you know, photography space. And um, I was like, I think they had already done a couple of shoots, like, you know, just like your, your online, like, lookbook shoots. Yep. Not even lookbook, like, 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 just left, right, center kind of white background <laughs> shoots. And I was like, well, I need, I need money, right? Yep. So, um, I was like, I can do it. And, um, had no knowledge of like studio equipment whatsoever. But I think at the time I already had a flash and like a couple of lenses. So, um, I did a test shoot with my sister one day. We, I think we went in just one weekend, got her to sit on the chair and like, you know, just, just, just show them like a mock-up of like what I can do, which was really just a person in front of a light against a white wall. Okay. And I remember not having lights, so I actually brought my wireless flash, stuck it in like a softbox or an umbrella that was lying around. Like from, <laughs> I think they bought it. And for, get those. Yeah. yeah, and and just like like held the uh, softbox with box with my wrist and flash in hand, and okay. just took like four portraits of my sister, and you know, told them like, yeah, I can do it. And, you know, they were like, okay, we uh, charge, we pay the photographer by photo and uh, you can start like ASAP. Yeah. So at the time, obviously it was shitty pay. I didn't know. Like I thought. How shitty are we talking about? I don't know, like a dollar a photo or something like really nasty stuff. Yikes. Yeah. Like, oh, a dollar 50 at the time. Cause I think that's, they, they told me, I don't know if they're lying or the other photographer was cheap. But they were like, oh, this person is, um, has charged us this much. If you want the job, you can just match. This is 1970, right? Yeah, it's Jesus. like early 20s, man. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, okay, you know, I've got nothing to do. Okay. Might as well like start somewhere. Yeah. So yeah, I did it for a um, good couple of months. And like, fine. So, so when I got a job, uh, again, I told my mom, like, I need lights. Uh, so I just got the most basic, like, Allen Chrome, like, uh, studio strobes. And yeah, just winged it. Just winged it. Yeah, just like YouTube, you know, how, how to test light, you know, got, got light meter, learned how to roughly meter light, uh, position of light, what it does, shutter speeds, everything. Um, yeah, hit the ground running. Like I never tethered my camera to a computer at that point, but you kind of need to with commercial stuff so your clients can see like what's coming out, right? Um, so yeah, just did all that on the fly, like real quick. Well, this time I told my mom I'll pay her back for, yep. the, for the equipment, obviously, because it was, you know, it was like Korea's move, right? <laughs> Got to be fair. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's uh, that's how I started um, shooting a little bit of fashion. And then uh continued blogging. Started an Instagram account at the time already, but it was just more casual and occasionally I post like behind the scenes of what I was shooting. Gotcha. So, um. So all this happened really quickly, like as soon as I moved back. And one of the, actually the first thing I shot when I came back was a friend's wedding. And this friend uh, was one of the two friends I still keep in touch with through the army. 
and he had gotten into the coffee business and was also really into sneakers and stuff like that. So naturally he had some friends who were like into the same thing. Um, so yeah, the day after I came back, I photographed his wedding. Oh, wow. You know, just as a favor. Yeah. And then he introduced me to two friends who uh, started this website that um, it's kind of trying to be like Hypebeast, I guess, because Hypebeast is already huge, right? Mm-hmm. So they tried to do a local thing. I mean, even though we had street thing and all that, they tried to have their own spin on this. So they asked if um, I could be their photographer. And of course, I said yes. Yeah. You know, like they seem nice. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> that's, your, that's your business barometer. Yeah, they, they, nice. they seem nice at the time. I had nothing better to do except from yeah. this other fashion thing. Yeah. So, you know, just something to do, right? Just at that time, it was just like, okay, let's find ways to put out content and then at some point get paid. Yeah. So, yeah, did that. Um, you know, amassed, uh, you know, through that, like, even though they were quite new, uh, managed to use that platform to meet. You know, quite a lot of people. So you meet sneaker collectors and obviously these guys don't only do sneakers, right? Yep. So they had other jobs and then meeting these people might lead to something else. You know, then maybe you photograph that something else for them. So all that led up to quite a lot of work. And I think I already had a basic website at the time. So I just threw up everything I had. Yeah. And then uh, quite early on, I uh, started doing like, like little Southeast Asian campaigns for like, uh, I think Editas was probably the first one. Yeah, and then uh, that kind of, like, made it more official. Okay. Yeah, then um, someone from Hypebeast got in touch for, like, a small campaign here with Timberland. And, yeah, so, so you know, like, with those kind of brand names, like, it made it, like, more real for future clients. Like, okay, this guy can work with, with you know, Editas, Hypebeast. He, he must be all right. Was it, <laughs> was it a slow climb for you? Or? No, man. I mean, I was quite lucky. Like, everything happened quite quickly. Yeah. So, you know, whether it's through the the hype stuff or, you know, other stuff I was showing at the time, um, I think people got quite uh, interested quite quickly. So it was quite lucky. You know, maybe it was like, my personality or something. Oh, your personality. I, I, mean, I was probably quite chill at the time, you know. I wasn't I wasn't as like uptight as I am now. Like now, like people probably are afraid to talk to me. <laughs> but uh yeah, I mean this was like only what, like seven years ago? Okay. Not that long, right? So um yeah, I was I was fortunate. You know, things kicked off quite fast and I think a lot of what I was showing wasn't really like a thing here then. You know, like shooting sneakers and you know, in public areas. That was like Probably quite big in, in New York or places like that at the time, yeah. you know. But um, here, no one was really doing it. Yeah, so, you know, it quickly caught the eye of, of like, brands and... Did you ever have had... Did you ever had a business plan? No. Or was it just, you're just uh, meandering and feeling your way throughout this, this entire day? I would say probably more feeling. Okay. I had no business knowledge whatsoever. Gotcha. Like, occasionally, I mean, I had friends in other, you know, industries that would say, hey, maybe you should try this, you know, um, it kind of worked for my business or it kind of worked for this other guy that he read about, you know, maybe try, like, try this. But um, it was hard for me because I, I like putting work out, but... um. Wasn't super into like doing things that were like trendy as well, which is how I ended up getting out of this whole fashion thing altogether yep. as well. So, so I have a question because mm. I know nothing about photography. I mean, photography <laughs> to me is very foreign. Yeah. So, what misconceptions did you have at the beginning that you had to overcome about photography? Misconception. 
Or was there anything that, that stood out to you that you thought it had to be this way, you had to do things this way, but through perhaps through trial and error, you figure out, hey, I, I actually can't do it this way because it's wrong or something like that? Um, not really. I guess the biggest learning curve with photography was probably the business side of it. As with any creative mm. wanting to turn it into a business, it was like, I mean, you know, most people would probably ask, how do you price something? Like, which is, which is so vague as well. Like, you know, they're, they're all ranges of, 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 you know, photographers rates or any, any art for that matter. Yeah. Right. So yeah, that was like, I guess, like what you said, it was more like, you know, let's just feel out like what the industry is like, um, what you can do here and what you can't do there, you know, what opportunities to say yes to, even though there may be like little to no money or no money at all sometimes. Mm. Um, but, so, so let's say for, for gigs with no money at all, what mm-hmm. will make you take it on then? I guess if the brief was interesting, well, well, not, 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 not for like advertising, like no way, okay. no way, okay. not, 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 not after I've done a couple of ad jobs already at that point. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Uh, I think maybe something that just popped into mind was, um, like how I met, uh, Len as well. Len Chai. Yeah, yeah Len Chai. Yeah. Um, was through this thing that Puma did. They were like, they sent an email like randomly one day saying, um, we got this shoe. Uh, we're going to send you some pairs. You can keep like one of them for yourself as like payments or let us know your size. But um, take the shoe and do whatever you want with them in photographic form. And we'll take the best shot or shots, I think. And they made like little postcards out of them and had like a mini exhibition at this store, which I can't remember the name of now. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think like six photographers or something did it. And that was like, you know, it wasn't a paid thing, but seemed interesting. It seemed like a free exhibition, which was free ad, you know, ad space for me. And, um, you know, at the time I was still quite open to meeting, you know, other, other photographers in the scene. Just, just get a, you know, feel of like what other people are doing, you know, with the camera. Cause I, I, you know, I never really hung out with other, um, I guess, designer people yep. or photography people. So it's just one way of, of just meeting people. I mean, the price question, I think it's interesting because I always feel that if you have a little bit of business acumen or even self-awareness, if you get mm. fucked enough, mm. you'll probably figure things out. Or you, you talk to people and people will tell you, what they what they quoted for and you realize you got fucked and you'll yeah. probably charge higher. You, you find out somehow, like... Um, a funny story how I met my wife was through that edit ass shoot. Okay. And um, so she was um, on the agency side, right? I don't know if I should say this, but. Um, <laughs> how, how, how long ago was this? <laughs> um, what was it, like six years? I met her pretty quickly after I moved back. Yeah. Um, actually, probably more than six years now. I don't know how long I've been back. But um, yeah, she was just like, you know, we like your work. Um, was introduced uh like I, I knew um this other girl that was a colleague at the at the at the small agency and so they were like okay uh we need a photographer for this for this uh campaign for this shoe in singapore it's going to be an ad for southeast asia um you know they they called me up they're like oh you know i think i think your work would fit this because it was like basically just feet 
uh, in a very like urban kind of scenario. Urban. Yeah, urban is the word. <laughs> all, all the rage at the time. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Or rather, like just at the start of that whole thing. Gotcha. And um, I was like, yeah, I can do it. And they're, they were like, well, this other guy is charging us this much. So if you just bid a little lower or quote a little lower, you know, it's yours. Mm. And I was like, well, I've got nothing else to do. <laughs> and this is added as. And, and at the time I was like, oh shit, like this is good money. Like yeah. it was like way more zeros than, than, <laughs> than what I was charging at the time. So I was like, hell yeah, you know, this is a bunch of, this is good money. And I mean, the shoe was ugly. Like it wasn't, the shoe was ugly, it wasn't okay. even added as originals or anything. It was yeah, like, okay. it was like a subline. But I was like, yo, I'm going to just ask a friend to help me model because I just need a pair of feet, right? And, um, just a small crew, like the client, like Adidas client didn't even come down for the shoot. Hmm. I think we just shot it at the bridge uh, near like BK Eating House, man. Yeah. And um, <laughs> it took all of like two hours. And I was like, yep, yeah, money. So um, that that was like one of the turning points. But I was like, okay, like if you were to shoot like ads or a particular way of, of photography, you know, a particular style, um, you can earn way more money. And essentially it's the same thing, right? Like, like. You know, now I shoot houses or furniture or whatever. And what I do for an architect, which I just charge a daily rate, could be, the, I mean, it's the same exact technique and setup for like an advertising shoot for, say, <clears throat> I don't know, a brand that sells wardrobes or yep. kitchen systems or something. And it might turn, they, they can, they will, they will say like, you know, I want to get you to shoot it this way for an ad. And because it's an ad, I can charge a buyout fee and whatever, right? Mm -hmm. So that makes it different. I can charge like a full day rate where I may supply like anywhere from 20 something to 30 images. I can charge like maybe a bunch more times for just one shot. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's just the approach and how it's used, right? And understanding that aspect of like any creative work, you know, creative licensing and stuff like that is important because that makes or breaks your career as well as your lifestyle. Right. <laughs> Obviously, having more money makes things makes a bit easier. <laughs> it's not everything, right? I've come yeah. to find out. Yeah. But um, um, it definitely helps a whole bunch of things. You know what I'm saying? Like to keep it real. So, yeah. So I think I think. Uh, so I I I have a two part question. So first mm. part, how do you, how would you define client work, mm. personal work, <laughs> and collaborate collaborative work? How would you define these three things? Because these three, uh, let's call them uh, houses, are what a lot of creative work can be sorted into. Mm. Clients can approach you doing uh, doing something and you can immediately associate to client work mm. or they can say they want a collaboration. And it's a bit gray because it is still a client, but right. they want to collaborate. Um, Let me know your thoughts on, on, on the definitions of, of these three things. I don't know if it's a definition, but... um. If someone came to me and said, now, anyways, like, let's collaborate, I'll be like, you know, first <laughs> things first, is there going to be money involved? Because, I mean, you know, I run a pretty tight schedule. Like, I'm shooting most days, and if I'm not shooting, I'm I'm doing post-production. Yep. Um, so, you know, a collaboration has, has to be authentic and organic. So if you're coming to me, you're coming to me for, say, a certain style of work. Um, and you could see it applying or being aligned with your brand or your thing, <clears throat> whatever that may be, right? So, you know, then, 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 then I'll pose the question of like, okay, what's in it for you? What's in it for me? You know, exposure to a certain sense, like, but, you know, that also depends on where I guess the image or video or whatever goes. 
Right. But, but the way you see exposure right now is very different mm. from the way you see it five years ago, yeah? Oh, for sure. Like, um, you know, I, I guess if you build your career up enough for your brand and, or name, you know, if it's just you, right, as a person, um, I guess big enough, you can kind of <laughs> command certain things, I suppose. Gotcha. Because for me anyways, it was just like, okay, let's just do things that people aren't already doing or, you know, doing but better or different. So... If you come to me and you want to collaborate or work on something together, you know, I need to first understand that you are aware that I'm not going to do something that's already out there. Or I don't want to anyways, you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. that's boring. Um, <clears throat> and two, that, you know, as people or as a brand, you are also quite aligned with my work and the way I work. Because I want to keep things like stress-free even, even even though sometimes things like get complicated, you know, just take it easy, you know, figure it out. Because at the end of the day, what we both want to do is to put out something great, yep. right? At least for me anyways, like, you know, I, I want to put out good work. Um. So I guess, yeah, a collaboration has to be a two-way street. I mean, that that goes for just like regular clients, I guess, as well. Yep. Um, because I only want to put out like the best stuff. Like I don't want like second grade stuff. You know what I mean? And of course it happens, right? But as much as I can, I want to avoid like like being number two. Mm. You know what I mean? So yeah, it's hard to define then. Um, what about personal work? Or, or, or do you even see your work in these classifications? Or, yeah, I'm just curious to know. Yeah, I'm actually at that point now where I'm like, what is personal work? Um, I don't know. I've, I guess the easiest way to like see that difference now is I guess through Instagram because I've, I've split things up, right? So I've got like my cool bean cake thing, which is like my own account, which is basically nothing on there. <laughs> I wouldn't say nothing. Yeah. It's got a few things. I <laughs> post like things, every yeah. couple of months, <laughs> yeah. but, um, because it's gone to the point now where I don't have time for personal work. Like uh, I only ever shoot, you know, when I'm, out of town like for a holiday or something hanging out with friends but even then like my last trip to japan um my friend was doing a video and he wrote me in to to help him do dop work because uh it was an architecture firm and he thought i'd be interested and of of course i was right it was uh it was a great architect that i respected well you wanted to chill so i took the opportunity and ended up doing work (laughs) so um yeah honestly i can't remember the last time i actually put out like a, a personal body of work okay so it's hard to define like and the last thing I did was probably I made a zine about Hong Kong, like black and white street photography. Um, quite, I think it was twenty fourteen, which then um, I did. I printed it myself and sold it, and then did a second run with a friend. And then the only other thing, personal work wise, was mm, oh, I did an exhibition with Leica. So oh, so they okay. they had um, this little event for. Ion Orchard and they had that little gallery upstairs, yep. right? So they they reached out to a bunch of people who shot on Leica cameras and were like, oh, you know, we kind of could see your work. They wanted like each photographer to have like a different different like genre or theme. So um they said, Oh, hey, can you kind of showcase this aspect of your work and choose like, I don't know, eight to ten photos or something? And we'd print it in like these large format prints and you know, print it and frame it nicely. So I guess that was probably the last 
thing I can remember doing um, outside of like my commercial yeah. work with Studio Periphery. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just curious to know how would you uh, approach perhaps, uh, would you approach, let's say, the Leica one differently than how you will approach like a client brief? Because with client work and creative work, mm. oftentimes there has to be really effective negotiation. Perhaps mm-hmm. you have a way of how you want to show this, but perhaps mm. the client's just not understanding perhaps the 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 words or the vocabulary you're using. Mm. How how do you communicate that? Let's say for client work and let's say for the Leica one. Yeah, how well, the Leica one is it? different because I guess with personal work, you can, for me anyways, I shoot it in my own time, right? So it's stuff that I do, you know, on the days I decide to sling a small camera around my, my neck and just go out for a walk or, you know, it might even maybe at this point be a collection of photos that I've shot over time mm. and then maybe curate down in, in years to come to like find, find, you know, like a backbone through for, for, for a bunch of photographs. Right. Um, so it's not like I'm actively coming up with concepts like, like some, you know, art photographers yep. do where they're like, okay, I need to, you know, do this, this, this. And some people go through like huge pains to like get, get things done. Right. Yep. Um, so for me, my personal stuff is still more casual. You know, it's, uh, really they're, they're, they're curated snapshots. Curated snapshots. Yeah. What's the difference between normal <laughs> snapshots? <laughs> um, so usually for my, my work, um, even, even when I shoot people now, I'm usually shooting on a tripod. So okay. I, I, I don't handhold my camera. Like What's very, the difference? Well, I get more control and I can shoot slowly. I can compose things and I can composite shots because the camera doesn't move. Okay, but yeah. is there like a is there like a stigma against people who who use tripods? Or oh no, a, not really. I gotcha. mean, it's just because most of my work now is is spatial driven, right? Or is design driven. Yeah. So, um, I like to be, you know, I've got this thing about being super precise now. So, you know, down to the equipment I use, um, everything I I need to be able to have full control over everything. Down to the smoke breaks. <laughs> Is that true? I guess. <laughs> yeah. So, 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 um, yeah, that's, that's different to what I do personally because, um, I, I do carry around a tripod on like, say, overseas work trips mm. or holidays or whatever. Um, but chances are I'm not going to like stop my tracks and, you know, set up my tripod and camera uh, and, and, you know, okay. do whatever I do, save I shot a building or a house. Yep. Unless the subject is a building or a house, then I'll probably, see it and then come back a few days later or something scope it out first. yeah like it's like almost it, yeah. like a pre-recce kind of gotcha yeah um so i've done that in the past and things have made it to my portfolio but uh i i, I kind of think of my personal work as more like back to my blogging days mm. so it's it, it's more uh, intimate stuff you know so yeah i guess that's the difference um the approach is completely different the subject is different um but I guess because it's coming out of me so naturally, there will be some kind of underlying look to the whole thing, you know, because these things are like instinctual, instinctive, mm-hmm. right? So it's what you consume and what you, yeah, what the, you, the, what the you way I spit about. it out naturally. I'm not, I'm not overthinking, you know, I'm not saying like I need to look like this other photograph. I'm not, I'm not taking like, uh, I'm not putting another reference up, you know, in a different window on my computer and being like, okay, I need to get my pins mm-hmm. to look like this or whatever. So. Yeah, you know, for me, I think things should come naturally and as authentically as possible. 
And that's how I approach both personal and commercial what, work. What do you think, in your opinion, is an important trait to have in a photographer? As a working photographer? Sure. Mm, I think, first of all, you need to be real. Like, like you need to... Uh, is it the same as authentic? Yeah, I mean, you need to be authentic in, in, in how you approach things, right? So... You know, don't don't copy for the sake of copying. You know, like there are obviously lots of successful artists and whatnot out there, but um, you know, you're not you're not going to go anywhere like just trying to be like a local version of 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 someone yep. in, in in Paris or whatever. You know, like maybe you can draw inspiration from these things, but um, I think if you were to set out and do something on your own, whatever that may be, um the reason for doing these things have to be real. Like you can't just say, I'm going to do this because business, you know, mm. like business. Yeah. That's a huge aspect of, of, of doing anything for a living. But I don't think, you know, of course there's ways of, of making a living of course. copying, right. And yep. lots of people do that. Yep. But, um, for me, I think, um, you know, just 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 being authentic, uh, wanting to put out something for the better of something else. You know, whether it's for yourself to prove that a certain thing can work. You know, like shooting a certain style can work, um, commercially or whatever. Um, you know, in you need to have that in your head and just go through with it. And 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 this this idea might change over time because as you grow older, you get you know different ideas or, or things change, right? So. So evolving in a very authentic way is quite important for me. So I think if if anyone's out there, you know, who is uh, interested in, in in doing something like this, needs to think about that, and not just because, um, you know, Mark seems to be successful shooting houses, so I'm going to go shoot houses mm-hmm. now and, and 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 do it the same exact way because you know, <laughs> I don't know. For whatever reason, yep, right? Yep. I don't want to think about it. So, so let's talk about that shift from from fashion and mm. more lifestyle stuff mm. into the spatial stuff. So, mm. because I believe you were a freelancer back then, mm. and you transited to becoming a business owner. Yeah. So why why that transition? First of all, first mm. question. Second question is to 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 me an outsider when I look at uh, your your previous body of work, which is more fashion and more lifestyle, mm. and now spatial. It seems very different to me. Yeah. So, could you please explain that shift as well? Because you talked about authenticity, so I just want to know why mm. did that shift come about? Um. So the fashion stuff was a lot of like sportswear, you know, that kind of thing, and that obviously got quite big, right? Um, with like a sneaker scene blowing up yep. and all that. So you know, I guess with a lot of things that that I get into, once things get like too saturated. I really like just lose interest. In it. Like, like you know, it's not bouncing for the sake of like, you know, being different, but like, I really just lose an interest because, you know, it's like that whole concept of, of like rarity and, and hype, right? Yep. You just naturally lose interest in it. So, you know, when everyone was shooting sneakers and streetwear stuff, you know, I was just like, you know, I, I, there's nothing new in this anymore. Like, like, and clients are not looking for anything new. Like the briefs I'm getting is like, just make it look like 13th witness or whatever, you know, like I'm not interested mm. in that shit. Like I don't want to sit in a helicopter and shoot my shoes. <laughs> no, you know, don't. like it's lame. And, <laughs> okay. and, and like, and like the photos aren't even that great. Like no offense to him. Like I, yeah. I like, I liked his work a lot, but you know, looking back now, like 
I, I don't understand why anyone would pay money for that. Like, let's just be real, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, so I guess the thing was like when things got oversaturated and any Tom, Dick and Harry could do it, you know, and clients to me couldn't see the difference with, with like the small things, like the, the very small subtle differences in, in stuff that I took care of. And, you know, I had a huge problem with people like not adjusting shoelaces properly for, for photos. What do you mean by that? So like, you know, you'd lace your shoes up a certain way and then sometimes a lace would twist. Right. Okay. You know, so it's like, straight, so it's not yeah. flat. Yeah. It's not yeah. flat. And, you know, for me, like, say you shot, um, say the popular dunk now, right? Yep. Like, like dunk lows. I used to love dunks. And to me, like when you shoot a dunk, for example, you need to like stuff it enough such that the silhouette is, is at its prime, you know, whatever it is, <laughs> whatever that means to you. But, you know, that I, I had a prime silhouette in my head, you know, stuff like that. The way the laces are tucked or tied or whatever, you know, arranged needs to be a certain way. And like with shooting any subject. So I like shooting chairs now and, and cars and whatnot. Or like, I like taking some snapshots of these things, right? As part of my work. Um, shoes also have that, because it is a designed item at the end of the day, right? Like Fair someone, enough. someone yep. designed, you know, the Air Max 95 yep. a certain way. Yep. Yep. And, you know, these things usually, for me anyways, like um, a dunk is best viewed from its side or kind of mm, 45 degrees yeah. up from its side frontal. <laughs> but an Air Max 95 looked better from the back because the bubble, you know, sits a certain way, but 45 degrees from the back if that makes sense, for, for the outside side of the shoe. Fair enough. Right? Yeah. So, so it's things like that that um, I, I realize clients really don't give a shit about. Like, But I give a shit about this. And I realize that these are things architects gave a shit about because, you know, they just have, you know, it's not easy to become an architect. It's and, not easy. and you need to be, to be really good. You need to have that sense for subtle, like, details. Right? You can make, like, a huge building, but, like, you know, there are, there are still details within that large project that that people have to take care of, right? Like architects have to take care of. So that's where I found like, um, you know, where my interest could be applied. Also, I mean, I already had an interest in architectural spaces and mm. and, and 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 furniture and all that kind of stuff that I live with now. Um, so I think I I I, I remember coming home and complaining to my dad about like. <laughs> How, how things are like, you know, just, just like people lame, like clients yep. lame, whatever. <laughs> like, I don't want to, you know, this, this is also stupid. I need to find a way. Then, um, he was like, I've got this friend who used to work in advertising and he may know some, some, you know, older photographers who, who are working in another kind of like scene. Maybe, you know, speak to these people or whatever, right? And see what you can come back with. So I met this friend of his and he introduced me to this German photographer who shot um, hospitality work. Hospitality like, of hotels. Like hotels. Okay. Yeah. Basically hotels. Gotcha. And um, he couldn't take me on for that job, uh, for that first job that he had at the time. So he introduced me to an, his old, 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 old assistant, who okay. was also an established photographer at that time. And um, I'm going about this the whole, like, round, long way, but... Uh, you know, so I, I assisted this other photographer who shot commercial like products. And through that, that gave me a sense of, okay, you know, I got to see on hand how like professionals, you know, in my eyes treated clients, how they manage things, how they run a studio. You get to shadow someone. Yeah. yeah and I get to learn how an assistant works because I was the assistant, right? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's like taking a break, you know, I still shot mm. like, like, like some of the sportswear stuff. I still took my own jobs, but, um, you know, I, I understood that I wanted to make the shift into another form of photography. 
or you know like maybe even still remain shooting the same kind of subject but how i can change it and how i should treat clients differently and you know be more more grown up i guess so i did a bit of work with that guy and then finally um the german dude calls me back and he was like you know i've got this job do you want to assist are you free dates are da 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 and i was like yes i'm free let's go and um that first job was like in china and i was like yo this is what i want to do because like you get to travel and he, you know, being German as well, like he was so uptight about stuff, right? So <laughs> not only precision in the work and the gear and all this, kind of, uh, he was a gearhead as well. Okay. So he loved like cameras and stuff. Um, but, you know, come to find out he, he started his career shooting furniture first as like a furniture photographer, then moved on. So he had a great story about like, you know, running his own studio, then becoming like just a freelancer again. Oh, interesting. And yeah. And then, and then, you know, the fact that the first job was like straight out of the country, flew SQ, lived in nice hotels, Ooh. and then realized that the, um, how he shot was like quite interesting. It wasn't very rushed, you know, as with fashion and stuff, it's always like quick, 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 get us done. Da, so da, da. Quick turn around. Yeah. And, and, and then straight away, like get it published, edit it, whatever. And it's got to, got to go on some billboard. Right. Yep. Yep. But with this hotel work, it was cool because like everything was very timed. You know, with architecture and spaces, you're working with like natural light a lot, right? So with hotels, you get to do a bit of everything. So it's a bit of lifestyle, a bit of interiors, well, a lot of interiors. And then occasionally you have to shoot the facade of the space. So I think we went to, I think Shang, oh, is it Shanghai was one of the first, was on that first trip. So we did two hotels, like very nice hotels. Yep. In China, the first one was a smaller one, and I remember to get the facade shot of this building. He just like commanded the uh, the GM or whoever was in charge to be like, "Okay, we need access to this building across the road from this highway, and I need to get this. I need to get there, this rooftop by this time, so I can catch the sun in this position, and all the the entire building that we're shooting needs to be lit up." And it was just like, you know, I saw it as like, "Whoa, this is like boss move." Like, yeah, like, yeah. You know, you tell all these other people to do the thing they're paying you to do so that you can come up with like the perfect, like one shot. And I was like, yo, this is exactly what I want to do. Like, what was this process like to, to even know the angles and everything? Well, it, yeah. I, I think now like speaking like, you know, years later from that shoot, it's based on just doing lots and lots and lots of jobs and gut feeling. Yeah. And understanding how light works, you know, in different countries, understanding like that timing is very important. So now the first thing we do, like I do when I show up at a site, whether it's a big building or a small house or whatever, is I check the direction of the sun, look at the weather. You know, I don't care about all the other stuff first, you know, then, then, then only I look at the space and stuff like Interesting. that. Yeah. So like that first trip was like huge learning curve. Like on the way to the airport, it was me, him, and a a stylist like spatial mm -hmm. stylist and straight away in the cab you know once we landed with all the equipment we got in the cab to the hotel and he was like uh you know check timing of sunset sunrise um you know golden hour twilight mm. and then we might prep you know this shot with this camera this lens da 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 get all this stuff ready because all this all the equipment gets like bunked into my hotel room right yep so it's up to me to like take care of all this make sure the batteries are charged you know you didn't get paid that much to do all this yeah. stuff but it was like huge it was just knowledge right it's yep. like i didn't go to school for this and school probably doesn't even teach you all this probably stuff. not it's groundwork right yeah. so it's like learning to look at the sky learning to look at the weather learning and understanding architecture and how it works you know so i did a couple of these jobs with him not even that many um and each time we did a job, I, I felt like I was just learning, like, you know, basically how to run a business and how to how to work with your equipment, you know? What was one of your takeaways from your experience with him? 
that when someone hires a professional, they're hiring a professional to do a professional job. So, you know, now... Please elaborate. <laughs> I guess now it's like, or, you know, you get used to get like, okay, you know, can you quote for this job? Um, but we're also getting like Instagram A, B, and C to quote for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like, you know, now I, I can be like, well, I don't want to quote for it because you're already like putting me on the same level as someone who's just doing it as a hobby, right? Mm. And, you know, depending on the kind of work, if it's precision work, then no way in hell, unless they spend tons of time on the side doing it, you know, to get that same knowledge and, and, and feel for things. It's not, it's not going to be the same because I'm doing this day in, day out, yep. like, and every moment I'm awake, right? So I think, yeah, the biggest takeaway was that when you're a pro, you know, you can command a certain level of like, well, one, respect, and two, um, you know, trust. Like having clients trust is the biggest thing as an artist or as a business, right? So, you know, being able to tell them like, trust me, you know, just get this done, just turn these lights on or, you know, whatever, do do something a certain way. I'm telling you because this 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 thing is going to make that image or this video the best or that much better. How do you communicate these things across? Because with regards to uh, conducting yourself like a professional, mm. is this just a change in mindset or is it a change in perspective the way you 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 view your business and you view your craft? Because you can view it this way, but perhaps the client might have their own worries and stuff. So how do you communicate things like this? Well, I guess that's why it helps to have a portfolio first. Okay. Like you can't just, you know, command these things coming in straight out of school with nothing to show, right? So, like, like you got to, like, eat some shit first, yeah. you know? Like, I'm not saying, like, this is easy. Like, I've, I've shot all kinds of crap. I've shot Hotel 81s, bro. Like, okay. it's, it sucks. You know, I've got... I, I posted on Instagram recently, there's an ad that I shot for this God Knows Love Hotel or whatever that is still hanging up on a wall in Ballastier. $61 a night or some shit. And it's a harsh reminder that, yeah, I, I did start from nothing, you know? Like, yeah. I didn't just hit the ground shooting like freaking married hotels or something, yep. you know, it's not the same. Yep. Um, sorry, what was the question again? <laughs> How do you communicate that? How do I communicate client? it? Um, well, I'll tell them like, you know, what do you see in my work first? If it's a new client, you know, what, what are your expectations? And, you know, also I usually get them to share with me, um, you know, whether it's renders or say, say if it's an architecture firm, right. Be like, okay, show me the design of, of what you're doing, you know, unless they're very established and I kind of know what their vibe is, you know, I want to know, like, you know, what are you looking for in terms of these images? Mm. You know, like if they had been using another photographer, for example, and they came to us, you know, why, why make that change? Because, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not all for like eating all the cake, you know, like mm. some people just like having photos very wide and I'm just against that, you know, a very bright overlit photos. I'm just, that's just not me. Right. Like, um, you know, I like things to have a certain feel to it, a certain tone. And, you know, I apply that through all kinds of stuff that I shoot. So um, I guess the understanding of, of why they came to me specifically is super important because I, I, I like to believe that I'm still putting out something that's quite different from like what what is out there commercially, yeah. right? Um, yeah, so so to me, that, that, that mutual understanding is very important. You know, like... Um, let me know what you're looking for, and I can tell you if 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 it works the way you have in, the way you you see it in your head, mm. or if it needs to be applied differently. Because you know you, maybe you're looking at say 
a home that's perhaps uh, very mid-century or, or modern, modern in styling, right? But you want to apply it to something that's more, um, let's say, a commercial office space. You know, that's two different subjects on its own. And, you know, one, the feeling of what makes up a certain, say, a living room photo, right, with, with beautiful furniture is that, you know, the way you, you perceive things, it, say, in a house is like, okay, you, you want it to look cozy, you know, there's a certain softness to it. But when you when you can't really just apply the same thing to say, uh, say you shot a you're I've got a brief for a tech office for example, yep. which we get a lot of, you know I I can't I can't um, I guess use that same feeling for this mm. other place because this place first of all isn't um, it doesn't function that way yep. right functionally it's not the same kind of thing, and secondly like you know what's your purpose for these photos? Like if you're going to use these photos to show and try and get more clients in that sector of work, then it needs to be portrayed a certain way. So then, then that's where we start working around like, Oh yeah, actually I realized that, you know, maybe, maybe this very soft look cannot work in a large open office space, but you know, we can apply, you know, a different sense of approach that still has this underlying feeling because it is, like I said, coming out of me still. Yeah. But, um, you know, to your kind of theme of or genre of work, and 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 you know, let's just do this shoot and see how it goes. Like if if they if they trust my word during that meeting or, or Skype mm-hmm. call or whatever, yep. then I'd be like, okay, let's just you know, I don't I don't want to jump into the gun. I, you know, I, I'm not just doing this for money, right? So I don't want to be like, okay, you know, sign five projects and I'll yeah, do it. Yeah. So let's just take it as it goes. Like if you like how the first project turns out, then yes, let's let's look into like a working relationship. But if it doesn't, then you know you tried. Right. And if it doesn't work, find someone else. So, cause I don't want to shoot stuff that you're not happy with as well. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. So it, yeah, it goes back to the whole like collaboration and, and relationship thing. I think that's super important for me. So when approaching like a spatial project, how mm-hmm. much of it is simply documenting the, the entirety of the space and how much of it is you uh, dictating how perhaps the, the space is perceived? Mm. Yeah, I'm just particularly curious about that because, as I said, I'm an outsider. I, I do not know anything about it. Mm. Yeah. Um. Well, at this point, people are coming to Studio Periphery for um, a certain look. You know, uh, I guess in that sense, it's a true collaboration because they're they're coming to let's just say an artist to to kind of portray their work. Mm in a certain light right so they they i like to use the word align because um you know i don't just want to attract people who are like okay i know like my work needs to be shot by sp i I want to kind of change some minds as well gotcha and you know the um i I guess the layman kind of like way of thinking you know of a spatial photographer would be you know just white wide lens da 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 and it's just documenting everything so that we have visual record. Yep. But, you know, I, I don't think that's wrong. And there's people who do that very well. But for me, it's more like um, being technically sound, but also finding that balance between um, giving a space or an object, uh, you know, an authentic balance. So I don't like shooting wide because of distortion. Naturally, when you use a wide angle lens, you're going to get distortion. Okay. Sometimes, you know, admittedly, it can be helped. Um, because the space is small, you can't pull back far enough. 
But for me, um, portraying things the way your eye sees it or your eyes and brain see it is is the way to go. Like Oh, so reality. Yeah. So okay. I, I'm going to try and make this as close to what a human, you know, eye and sees, eye, eye and brain sees um, into a two-dimensional two object. Is uh, there photo. a particular reason for that? Well, I think we're all like seeking balance, right? There are some um, architects who like that very dynamic look, you know, very wide angle lens. You go quite close to the subject. So you purposely distort something. Mm. But I feel like, you know, people design things to be appreciated a certain way. And my job is to depict that in in the most, um, I don't know, I guess real way as possible. Like, okay. like the way it's supposed to be perceived okay you know like in person like say i want to see the stadium but i can't travel there for whatever reason right so i want to i just want to see a photo that gives me the best idea of what this thing is like in real life scale is very important mm, right yep so when you distort something you throw off scale and balance right which can be used creatively but for me scale and balance is like of huge importance which is why um if anyone has ever worked with me, you know, I, I kind of sometimes take a lot of time just to take one shot. Could you give an example? <laughs> um, what do you mean like one shot? Like, so I don't, I don't, click? I don't, yeah, sometimes okay. I, I, I don't, um, I guess un- you can compare it to, I guess, wedding or event photographers who, okay. who usually shoot a lot of photos in, because things are changing all the time. Yes. In hopes to, you know, like hopefully get something good, especially yes. a wedding, right? Yep. Someone's yep. big day. But for me, like, you know, a building is going to be there, right? Yep. For the most part, it's not going to move away for a little while, unless it's an exhibition or whatever. Mm. But, you know, I, let's say if I'm looking at something that works best as like a one point perspective, means you're looking at it head on. Yep. Um, and if it works, say, as a symmetrical image, so I'm really catching the center point of an image, you know, I'm taking all that time to make sure like everything in my grid on my viewfinder mm-hmm. and on my computer, which I tether to my camera, aligns like perfectly. So okay. ev- everything that should be centered, whether it's a tile line or a wall beating line or a tip of a roof or whatever, needs to align perfectly so that Visually, you don't feel like, oh, why is, why is something mm. just off? You know, why is this line that's supposed to be like a dead straight line just like one or two degrees off? It's very weird. Yep. You know, so you do all these small, subtle things that 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 make it easy for people to see, you know, like that make it um, comfortable or nice to look at, right? But also being technically sound. Like, so, you know, us architectural photographers, we use shift lenses, right? We don't use regular, like, What's the difference? So a shift lens allows you to keep your camera straight to the ground, I guess is the easiest way to, you know, so, so you say you're, you're shooting a, a building that's like three stories tall, like a small house, right? Um, if you're quite close to it and you want to get it all into the frame, with a regular lens, you chances are you have to point, point it up. Fair right? enough. But that ruins the, the perspective and scale of a building. You know, in, even if you were standing there with your eyes looking at the building, you in your brain you just perceive everything as straight, Fair unless enough. unless you're right below it looking up, right? <laughs> Which is then a different thing altogether. So with shift lenses, you can, I guess, keep your camera or or sensor um, perfectly flat to the ground, but shift the 
with the lens, the, this lens has gears, and and you can you can shift the the parallax of the lens oh. of of the the field of view, you know, up or down, left, right, center, whichever way, to keep the building looking straight, yep. but still get the top, I guess, to put it very basically, of the building in into one frame. Yeah, you know, and then sometimes because the lens shifts, like the lens element itself shifts, the you can do things where you're taking like you know eight, twelve or more photos and stitching them all together to a single shot mm. so that you can take, I guess, a wider image without using a wider lens to distort the image. So you keep that sense of scale again. Mm. So yeah, I, th- I think that's like a and huge throughout thing. all this, you have to chase the sunlight, right? You have to wait. Yeah, so so that's why, um, especially for big projects, pre-production is quite important. Okay, where pre-production you means recce and recce, stuff like that. You know, understanding what needs to be shot. So, thing is, you don't really shoot every corner of a home or a mm. building. So, so you plan out like, okay, with the, these are the shots I need to do. Um, and then, you know, once you've done the site visit, you kind of like be able to like kind of put some timings down to like, okay, this area is shot here, 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 here. And, um, you know, of course, if we do those things on the shoot day on time and quickly, in between, if I've got more time, then I that's where I get in those extra shots where like, okay, now I'm on the site now and things seem to align somehow that I, you know, that, that make the shot like interesting. And so usually these are like tight shots that you see tight a lot, shots. like very tight, you okay. know, like detail shots that you see on my portfolio. Um, those are usually done in that in-between time. Interesting. Where, where <laughs> things just happen to align, where the sun happens to come in. Um, and I mean, I don't know how other people perceive it, but to me, that's what make that studio, you know, that's what gives that studio periphery look. You make it sound so happenstance, like just because something was hitting, everything aligned to that and you, you, you take a picture. Yeah. I mean, sometimes like, you know, it's, 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 so that's why you need to try everything once. Like this all comes, you know, intuitively, you know, if you, if you've done enough street photography, you know, like. A lot of things sometimes are, it's, it's just chance, right? So if the mm. light happens to be good that day, this person who's interesting happens to be walking past a certain scene that you've been looking at a certain way. You happen to raise your camera quick enough, you know, mm, yep, yep. and get that shot, that, that, that moment. You know, that moment happens in like architectural photography as well. You know, sometimes you take a shot and some interesting bird flies by. And you get it, you know, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not faking this bird, right? It happened to fly by. It's not like that guy who's stuck that plane in the, you know, <laughs> that's a different thing altogether, you know, but like having these authentic moments where, you know, maybe a tree outside the house, uh, happens to have grown a certain way. And then the sun's hitting it, casting this shadow on a, on a chair that's mm-hmm. inside the house, you know, mm-hmm. through this window that's next to a chair, creating this like very romantic scene, right? Straight up. I just, you know, make sure I get the lens on that I want. And, and get the shot because these are moments I don't want to miss. And these are moments that, that, that keep the series looking, you know, intimate and real because these are things that the homeowners mm. will experience, right? So these are all things that I keep in mind when I'm, you know, approaching, especially like spatial stuff, especially residential stuff. I'm curious to know how, when, when you look at your overall body of art, when you can look, mm. at, like, look at the photos they've taken, mm. do you classify them as good and bad photos? If not, um, do you have, how do you um, categorize your photos? Like, are there even bad photos in your opinion? Yeah. There are bad I photos. mean, there are, that, there are bad okay. photos. Because you know you do this for a living and, and, and um, because of the genre of work I do, like your f- your images are based on how good another party's work is. Your images. What do you mean by because, that? 
say if this architect isn't the greatest or this interior designer like oh, isn't the best okay, at, you okay, know what yeah, he's yeah. doing but he's hired you to do this job and you do it because you know one you want to take the opportunity or you like the guy or whatever so <laughs> you know he's a friend you don't want to turn down <laughs> you know then then of course not everything's gonna be like the best right because i've got my own like personal tastes on yep, things as well yep. so I guess a good example is like what you see on on online, like on our Instagram or website. It's like it's belly scraping the surface, you know. Like it's it's probably only like at max ten percent of the work we do. Oh wow! Yeah, there's so much shit that we don't show, yeah. like at all. Like just cannot. They don't make the cut. Or it's not what's because up? they're like it's 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 not because it's bad work. It's it's just work that I don't feel for, you know. Like I've got a certain taste for interiors and certain type of architecture, so. You know, if I get a chance to shoot that kind of work, chances are I'll want to show that more because I'd want to use that as bait to try and find more um, people who who like these things or or do these types of work. Yep. In the same vein, right? And 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 um and make sure they see that I understand that this is what I want to show and this is what I'm interested in. So come find me. You know, I I because I don't like cold calling people. We've mm. never really done that. So um. I want to put it out there and if these people see and can kind of align to, to what they see and are interested in, in, in working together, you know, all the better. Right. But if I put out work that I'm not proud of, or like in the style that maybe it's a shot that I had to do because it, it makes sense for the clients. And I'm not going to say, no, they're paying me to do this. <laughs> right. Obviously I'll argue to, to the point where, you know, we, we come to a compromise that mm. to make the shot work in, in, in a way I feel that yep, is decent yep. and still works for the client. Um, but you know, at the end, at the end of the day, like the portfolio is mine, and and it's what I choose to show, right? So, I I wouldn't say there are bad photos. There are probably some that I'm not proud of, but um, you know, for whatever reason. But um, I definitely only show the ones that are are more along the same vein of of work I want to keep doing. What goes into choosing them? Then is that like a ritual? Uh, assuming you have okay, mm. assuming you should you have twenty mm. and. Maybe the first 20, you want to dial down to 10, it's easy because mm. you kind of know what you want. But what mm. if you need to only show five and the 10 are really good? How do you- Show five on my own portfolio? Yeah. Most of the time, I, I make sure I just have one to show. I'm, I'm not super like whatever about showing a lot of work. Okay. So um, so say if I, I enter a scene, like a space that um, maybe it's not to my personal taste, like the style of architecture or the style of interiors. Um you know, I'm still putting in like 500% every time I shoot. 500? Like, like, you know what I mean? Like, I I, I want to make sure that I come out with something, at least one shot that that I can be proud of. Like, even if it doesn't fit my my taste personally, I need to make this mm. work for myself. Because if it doesn't work for you, then who's it going to work for, you know? Because mm. you need to be personally proud of the work you put out, right? So that that's like my little rule that's in my head all the time. That, okay, even if this client's like real shitty or whatever, or like, I don't like the style personally. I need to come out with something that will impress myself because then that's the only way it's going to impress anyone else. Yep. Yep. So yeah, just one. Um, if there are works that I don't show anything of, that means uh, I either just didn't make the cut or like, I, I just really don't like that style or don't want to do any more of it. Do they go into a hard disk and never see the light of day? Or? Uh, most probably unless, um, yeah, yeah, that's probably what happens. Or <laughs> 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 well, sometimes they get published and then uh, it's too bad. Right. If, if it's really, really bad, um, and the clients are like not nice people, then we either just fire them on the spot or, mm, 
there have been occasions where we just threw the check back at them and told them I'm not Ooh, showing up anymore. Well, super boss move. So, but, but it needs to be that way because then you need to put it out there that that you're in this not just for the money. Like you're you're doing this because you want to be proud of this shit. You know it what I mean? Hurt, and, huh? You didn't hurt the throw the check back at them. <laughs> of course, it's, it's not nice to like, you know, like lose money, right? But like yeah, yeah. at the same time, you, you can't just keep that as like your main thing, you know? Like money is important, as I said at the start. <laughs> but, um, you know, you can't let it dilute your work, you know? Mm. I don't want to be poor either. So yeah. you need to find that balance, right? Because it is a business. If this was just a hobby, then different thing altogether, right? But if it's your business and if it's like a form of art or whatever, you know, like even being a banker, like you, that's all money, right? But <laughs> you still need to find a way to keep it real. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's so important. <laughs> you know, you don't want to be like doing dodgy things. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Or I mean? maybe you do. <laughs> yeah, or maybe that's your thing. Like then you got to keep it real. Yeah. But uh, for me, like, you know, I told you like 500% every time. Um, man, dude, even when I shoot like some of these, like back then when I did those hotels, right? Yeah, yeah. Those shitty, shitty like per hour hotels. Dude, I still like spend all this time like making sure the bed sheets were straight and like, you know, all that stuff. And I still, I still spend like an hour on each photo, like making sure the pillows didn't have creases and shit. Yeah, yeah. Because like, <laughs> it, you know, for some, what if, what if the owner of the hotel decides to tell his friend that uh, who maybe owns like a five star hotel yeah, that yeah, you never that, know, yeah, right? like you know, like that Mark did these these photos and. He, maybe the guy sees through it right like he's like oh dang this guy like took care of the sheets and all that like <laughs> this for, guy for, yeah you know like like we do and bed sheets are the worst <laughs> you know like he he must have commitment to his craft yeah and that's what i need to make sure my clients understand like you know so many times we've gotten in arguments with clients um on shoot because they're like you know uh why you why you why are you taking all this time to like do the, this 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 and i'm mm. like i'm doing this because i believe it helps your portfolio like it's not because i want to waste my time adjusting you know, goddamn pillows and, 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 and duvets and shit. Like, I don't enjoy this, Yeah. but you know, like I need to go through this process because in post, depending on what I do to the shot, it helps make this photo better. And, and then you get better photos. Like, you know, what do you think? I'm just coming and starting arguments for fun. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Right. But some people think that, you know, they're like, Oh, this guy is such a pain in the ass. He's so mm-hmm. anal about everything. I was like, well, then find someone else. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, this is not the kind of shit I'm into. So, that, <laughs> that do you that's think it's a culture thing what do you mean like, like them not perhaps not wanting to trust um i don't know i mean there, there have been times where like that happens and then like you know they they for some reason still hire you later and then you know years or months down the road they're like yeah you know remember that time we fought about this like yeah you're right you know or, or whatever <laughs> it's for the better and then sometimes you know it works the other way around and i was like yeah you remember that time you told me you know, you to do the pillow a certain way and I wasn't in agreement. And I'm like, yeah, you know, in hindsight, maybe it looks better. You know, things like that. You know, you, th- this is the true collaboration between, you know, clients and and, and an artist, right? Um, and that's growth as well. So, yeah. So I want to bring up an interview you did with Omuto Concepts in 2019. I think one, one of the sentences you said, I think understanding the business is very important. So- That was done this year, dude. Is it? Yeah, I think so. Unless oh. it was another one. Oh, it's almost 2019. Mm. Anyways, we're on a cusp of 2020 going to 2021. Do you think mm. you understand the business now? Um, or what do you mean by that statement? I guess a little better. Like, I mean, it goes back to what we spoke about before about, you know, not knowing like what, I mean, you never know what, or you'd have an inkling of what a market, like market rate is yep. for your services, right? And maybe you fluctuate just a bit higher or lower from that. 
Um, but understanding business, meaning like how you deal with clients, how you charge, you know, what the processes are. It's, it's, it's like everything except the actual art of photography, you know, mm. like how you conduct yourself. Like, you know, I believe like even dressing the part is, is super important. Right. What do you mean by that? I'm not going to show up to a shoot in like shorts and sandals, man. Like, you know, that's retarded. <laughs> not even to the hotel? No. No, yeah. someone. <laughs> it fits the vibe, dude. <laughs> yeah, maybe. But you know, like you got to, it, it's all part of like, it's a package, right? Like I'm, studio periphery isn't just like a hired service for like getting photos done, you know? Like it's, it's the client relationship. It's, uh, you know, for me, I hope to build like, a friendship with my clients, you know, most of them anyways. Um, so understanding the business is, yeah, client relationship, um, you know, understanding like the business side of things, like when to bill, when to chase for money, what, what proper billing terms are, you know, like mm. how to invoice, what should be on the amount of people who don't know what to put on an invoice. It's incredible. <laughs> You know, like sometimes we have to hire like people yep. outside to, you know, for extra pair of hands or whatever. Yep, and you yep, get yep. these invoices that come back and freaking bank account details aren't even on there. Like, what do you want me to do? Like mail you, a, mail you some cash? You know, you know, things like that. Like you'd be surprised. We laugh now, but like people don't think, you know, a lot of us creatives are just like, I just want to make art, whatever. You know, I just want to make photos, mm. put out cool videos. And then, you know, what, you don't have to eat. Like, you know, you, you gotta understand like when to bill, what cash flow means, you know, how how all this stuff affects your day-to-day, right? Because if you're not charging enough, you know, people here like to say spoil market, right? Yep, yep. You don't charge enough. Um, You can't afford, like, to upgrade your computers and stuff, which, you know, everyone knows needs upgrading. Can't afford to upgrade your gear. Yep. Which then goes back to the quality of work. Because, you know, clients sometimes say, oh, I want you to shoot this on a camera that has at least this many megapixels. Or mm. I want you to use a medium format camera, which... Yep. They're not cheap, you know, they're like high five figure. Not everyone like, has it, yeah. Not everyone has it, right? But, you know, whether you rent it, whatever, um, everything still costs money, right? So this whole spoil market thing is just like, well, you're just shooting yourselves in the foot. Like, you know, um, it's, it's understanding that if you want to do this for the long run, there needs to be a flow to, to every aspect of, of, of this craft and business. Do you think the naive, naivety of uh, not wanting to spoil the market or not wanting to to immerse yourself perhaps in the business side of it and just mm. wanting to do the art, do you mm. think that goes away with age? Or is it like a maturity thing? Goes you, away with age? Yeah. Like you you do this thing long enough. Mm. As you grow, you hopefully realize that this is not the way to do it. You can't just focus solely on doing the arts. You have to have well, a little bit of business tech. Yeah, of course. It. And I mean, the sad thing is some people just don't realize it ever. Okay. Because, you know, you hear people who are just bad with money, right? Mm. And then, I mean, the sad truth is that then maybe you should just go work at nine to five or, or work for someone else, right? There are people who can run businesses and they're just workhorses. That's just the truth, right? I don't want to like make it sound like, you know, some people can learn because some people can't learn. That's, the, that's yep, yep. you know, some people are just bad at things. So I feel like that's an important thing as well to find out like, you know, preferably early on yeah, and not wait until you like get, go bankrupt and realize that <laughs> maybe I should just work for someone else for a paycheck. You know what I mean? Cause yep. it's not easy. Like what people think I'm just chilling all day, you know, like if I'm not doing like the creative stuff, chances are I'm dealing with either, you know, accounts. marketing, which is, yeah. which is what I do on Instagram, you know, or, or accounts, which is like so important. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, because I believe like, like from my like side of work anyways, I believe that because I'm, 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 I'm that I want, I want to be drowning and obsessed with design work. Right. But I can't. And, 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 and to, to put out work that portrays um, design in a certain light, you first need to understand design. Yep. I can't treat architecture if I didn't understand architecture. Mm. Right. You know, I can't portray something I don't understand. Which means I need to have, you know, certain, I need to be able to spend certain time with like, you know, certain objects to understand an object. Like I need to spend time with like a shelf or or a chair or something to understand that, you know, I need to look at it this way. So mm-hmm. it's portrayed the best, you know, it goes back to shooting shoes, right? Then then when I, I take this approach and, and go on a shoot with a client, I know how to, you know, portray their work if it's a similar object or something along the same line, you know, a certain way and the best way possible, right? In, in, in my view, obviously. So, you know, these things are important and you can't do that without money. Like, that's yep. the truth. Like, you know, how am I going to afford like certain you know, chairs are not cheap, man. They're like $500 <laughs> to like a couple of grand, right? You know, so same thing with, with, um, let's say I, I just spent all this money on a car this year, right? Mm. You know, I, I, if say I want to shoot cars, I, I'm not going to be able to like s- spend time with uh, my clients' cars and, and somehow try and wing out an, an gotcha, angle if gotcha. I didn't understand. It's too late, right? Yeah. You, you know, you can wing some things, but you, you know, some things you need to spend time on to get good at. So, you know, how do I afford this car? Well, I need to work more. I need to charge a certain rate, right? And I'm charging this rate just so I can fund my own experiences. Yeah. Right. So that these experiences, then translate back into the work I put out for these clients. Have you ever used that train of thought to justify your expensive purchases? Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be real. <laughs> yeah, you got it, man. Like, I mean, you need to be, again, interested in the stuff you you are working on, mm. especially if you're doing something that you like, right? I mean, a friend just told me, like, you're already fortunate enough to be, you know, doing something you actually enjoy yep you know most people hate their jobs they're just doing it for their but do you even see it as a job though yeah of course i mean i mean okay. you, you gotta be you know you gotta have that sense of reality so there's no illusion about that yeah. no no way i'm not i'm not just like oh money is just coming in bank account like just because i you know money will come if you put out good work but you need to put out the good work and that's not just the pictures it's it's the, the relationships it's the experience you know the, sh- the shoot itself is the experience the shoot itself is the experience. Yeah, like if it's if the shoot is not fun, right? You know, like then clients are not going to want to work with you because they're going to be, you know, chances are they're going to be on on site with you, right? And if you're just like some sour guy, like <laughs> <laughs> from what you say, I can imagine you to be pretty sour. Yeah. No, sometimes I get sour. Like, yeah, you know, you, everyone gets you know has a bad day or a bad job, right? Um, but you know, you want you. Ideally, want to keep that down to like a minimum, <laughs> <laughs> maybe like a week in a year. <laughs> Man, like it's it's so real. Like, uh, like a couple of weeks back, I was on this shoot and I was like, just at that level, right? Yeah. Like, I'm done. And towards the last couple of shots, because because the the request was just outrageous stuff, right? Like, they hired me. They you know they said the first the first project they they hired me for. They're like, you know, there's something in your shots that we don't get with our other photographers. You know, we need you to kind of express that with our our spaces. Okay, blah, blah, blah. but you know, then then this is where my advice as a professional comes into play. Like, of course, I'm still going to listen to you and and what your needs are, but this is where you know, like, let's meet in the middle. Let's yep. just find a way to make this work so that we're both happy with it. 
um, I think this was like the second or third project with these people. And towards the end of the day, right, this was like a two day shoot. Yep. I realized I had my backpack on like for the last couple of shots. So I usually have a trolley bag with all my gear and a backpack for my like other stuff. Yep. And like towards the end of the day, my backpack was already on, meaning I was ready to leave. Like <laughs> I realized that like, I've never done that before. Yeah. But I was just like, yo, like this is so shit. Like this, the people are not nice. They're asking for like outrageous stuff, like really stupid requests. You know, like things you don't even like this person had obviously not thought it through before making, you know, haven't, haven't thought before opening their mouths, right? Gotcha. And you know, it's just this whole thing of like, oh, can we just try? Can we just try? I hate that. You know, like, yeah, I can try once or twice. But, you know, by the 20th time, if this shot's not going to work, maybe it's you, bro. Like, maybe it's not working. You know? So. So that's the lesson of patience. Yeah. You know, but, you know, patience runs thin, man. After after years of, like, you know, dealing with. You didn't forget, like, you know, this job, you're dealing with different people every yeah. day. It's not yeah. like you report to your same boss. Yeah. You know, if this boss sucks, you hope he, like, loses his job, whatever. Yeah. Then just deal with a different person. Right? Or find a way to deal with that person. Every day I'm dealing with someone new. Having to deal with, you know, whatever shortcomings they've got. So I guess people reading or even reading how the the individual react or respond is pretty important. Yeah, yeah. I think I think uh you know, if you're an individual or like a small company or a small collective, yeah, of course. The the personality is like a huge thing. It's part of your brand. Right? Interesting. So I'm just curious to know, I because um, you you spoke about your experiences with the German photographer. Mm. I would like to know, have you ever considered uh, doing like a mentorship for people who might want to learn from you? Is that something that you have considered? Well, I mean, I've, I've had someone work with me up to like five weeks ago. And I mean, to be honest, I, I put a lot of time and effort into like, you know, making sure like things get done right. Yeah. But um. <laughs> And of course, yeah, there's some bonuses to it, but like sometimes you just when you get let down, you get let down. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's not it's not like the person's fault. Maybe it just it hasn't you know occurred to them that whatever they did was was not ideal. Yeah. Um, but I must say, like I, I you know talking about patience, I, I probably don't have it in me <laughs> right now. Anyways, not 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 with the current schedule I'm running. Yeah. Like, I'm running very tight schedule <laughs> so you know i i kind of thought like screw ups and stuff like mm. that or you know if 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 someone is truly truly interested they, they'd find a way to 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 get in my pocket you know somehow like, <laughs> get I, in your pocket. yeah you know it's, they, they they will find a way because you know i've seen i've done it myself right like i i if you want something bad enough you'll find a way to do it like you know you, you want to be an illustrator bad enough you find a way to 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 do it for a living or whatever or like do a podcast right so it's the same with 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 any kind of work, you know. Um, maybe in future, when I find a way to like, you know, cool things down and make things, you know, smoother than than they are now. But now, like, absolutely no time. Interesting. Um, mm. I'm, I would like to get your perspective on this. What do you think is the power of your medium, which is photography? Mm. Yeah. What do you think are the unique traits to it? And yeah. Um, what's so special about it, in your opinion? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> no, <laughs> Wonderful. No, no. <laughs> Move on straight to video. <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, uh, like, like my, yeah. Of course, I mean, video and stills, right? They're 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 two different but kind of same things. Yep. Um. And when my perspective is like, um, with with the design, oh, spatial and architectural stuff, you know, we are usually the last thing that that happens for a designer, right? when they so say you build a, a house yep right or building 
uh, you spend years conceptualizing this idea, selling to your client, making sure everything's approved, and then you know along the way you start you start building things, right? And mm. this process takes like well at least three years, right? Yep. To 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 build a house, and you know for them at the end of the day, once the house is built, the last thing that comes in is the photography, mm. and that's all you're left with. Right, the house can get torn down, but the photos still stay, right? Which is why archival photos are so important as well. So, um, I guess that's that's how I see this craft as being like of importance. I've always found that photography to be lacking a certain dimension as compared to let's say video, mm. because video plays with the aspect of time. Yeah, is it something that you are particularly interested in? Because it video. seems like the natural evolution mm. for uh, perhaps not mastering, but being so proficient at photography, perhaps mm. you might want to dip your toes into video videography. So, so we have, and we, um, I mean, I would admit we haven't done a lot of videos, but somehow we've managed to like done commercial stuff. Somehow, yeah. Like hot- <laughs> hotels would say, like, oh, I mean, we just did one, like, like crazy video. Yeah, but um, which McDonald's ad is this? No, man, no, no, <laughs> not not that kind of stuff. Okay. You know. I mean, we had to re- we c- we have to reject that stuff. I mean, yeah. first of all, I don't see it, and and I don't know how. I've got friends who do it for a living, and they do it way better. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, you're right. Like, like videos do show some things that that photos can't, but it works the other way around as well. You know how so? Well, it's the same thing. Like, um, have you seen those like frames, uh, like digital frames? Digital frames. Like, like, so you frame an artwork, right? Let's say you frame a photograph or an illustration on the wall. Yep. In your house or yep. a hotel. You know, when, when you look at, um, so that these digital frames are like, I guess they're like screens. Right? Fair enough. So fair you, enough. Can, you can put up, you can change your artwork or, yep. or do something. Yep. You know, sometimes um, a still a still piece of art just works better than, let's say, a digital moving thing. Mm. Com- compare like like illustrations on paper or, or even digital illustrations to to animations yep you know it's 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 like the same thing but it's kind of different as well it makes you feel differently so i think i think it really depends like some things are just more romantic and 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 um more grand in a still right you get to sit there and really look at every detail um and it works the other way around as well some some things you need that that walk through to to be able to envision ah okay it leads from this space to that space in such a way and you can do you know you, can, you there's lots of like camera trickery you can do to <laughs> to to make it feel a certain way it's, it's all about framing right that's yep. why there are star directors and dops mm. um but then in the same vein there's, there's some places that uh you just cannot experience unless you're there physically so that's like mixed dimension stuff mm. right so I, I think they're all different and the same you know it just really depends on on what you're trying to convey what what other creative uh, mediums might you be interested in right now? Mm. Or are you too busy with your new car and your thousand dollar chair? No, 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 no. I don't have thousand dollar chairs. Uh, <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> what as in like what I want to do? Yeah. Or might you even be in- intrigued in right now? Yeah. Uh, I like making stuff. So like furniture. I like objects. I was just recently thinking of like um trying like abstract painting (laughs) just like trying to find a way to express like things in paint because paint is really beautiful like the last time i did art was like in high school right and i did a lot of paintings but i liked 
I don't know. I think at that time I was I was very into like Alex Party and shit. So, no. like, so I like I like like the whole yeah. like in, installation, yeah. but you know, mixing like 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 three dimensional objects with two dimensional you know works of art. Um, so yeah, recently I've been thinking about that, but I'm also interested, obviously, in furniture and stuff like that. So, you know, either through my clients or you know, like my, like Amy, my wife, she's an interior designer. My mom-in-law is an architect. Um, sometimes we'd go like visit like factories and stuff like that Ooh. where they fabricate like furniture. Yep. Um, yeah, then, then I'd get like, like just a couple of days ago, I was at a marble factory oh, and, nice. um, I was tr- asking the guy, um, you know, if I can just like make some stuff because they've got these machines that can cut like very like precision, like angles and stuff like that. So I wanted to make some like, um, small like tables just out of like my little plinths. Yeah. yeah. You know, out of like raw material, which are like beautiful on their own. So yeah, th- those are things I really want to explore. So it wouldn't be too surprising if you melt your love for products as well as I guess uh, spaces and even furniture mm, and objects, something yeah. like that will come out. Definitely, definitely. I mean, uh, I have these conversations. So, so my clients, you know, like I said, they're you know a lot of them have become friends or like we try and like you know take advice from each other or you know just trying to like get new ideas out. So you know. With with designers who are super into like like customizing things or making objects and furniture, it's it's like a huge thing, man. Like mm. you know, I was talking to a friend about like like wall plaster the other day, and that that in itself is like a whole art, man. Like wall plaster. Yeah, wall plaster. Like, have you been to like the Aesop stores and you've seen like how the wall is like finished? I can kind of imagine what what you're saying, but that kind of rough. Yeah, looks a bit sandy. It's deliberate, right? Yeah, yeah. So you know, you know that kind of thing. Like, there's so many different types of plasters you can talk about. You know, so many kinds of stones you can talk about um, and wood, you know, like all, all kinds of things, man. Like, you know, I, like you said, like, I, I think um, th- this thing with um, like photography, videography, and then the actual like object itself and the craft of of making these objects, that's that's always been like, you know, a huge interest to me. Like the, 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 the behind the scenes stuff, the, you know, the craft of like, Turning something uh, raw to a yep. finished object. That's very interesting. So, I don't know. I guess if I have time, a bit of spare cash to invest. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, I'm already, like, trying to do these things on the site now. Yeah. So, you know, just for my own pleasure. Like, just so I can put, like, a plinth in my studio and <laughs> look at it every day. You know, we make these things. I find excuses for it. Yeah. So, definitely, definitely. Tons of ideas. Just need time. Do you think it's important to have like a hobby to stay sane in in the 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 commercial work that you do? Just to just get away, just take a step back from it. This is when your personal work comes to right. I, I think it it differs from from everyone. You know what works for you. Uh, I like work, man. Like I I, I actually Fair just en- enjoy doing my work. <laughs> so um, like we work, like we do like four or five shoots a week. Sometimes a lot. Sometimes like six days I, straight. I, I can't conceptualize how. <laughs> How intense four to five shoots is? Could you please elaborate a little bit? What do you mean how intense? It's intense, though. It sounds pretty fucking intense, but four to five shoots a week is 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 it like a like a day to night, day to night, day to night, or even stretches out to the morning kind of thing? What does it? Look um, like? yeah. No, we d- it doesn't stretch on like like how a production would, um, because you know things are like time related, right? Yeah. Unless we're doing a studio, like say we're shooting products or whatever, but um. Yeah, it could just be like a full day shoot, like every day for like a couple yeah, of days man. straight. Mm. It's it's okay now. I think it takes some getting used to. Um, but I always tell myself like, 
couple of years back, I did the, uh, you know, Monocle magazine has these city guides, right? Um, yep. Like a travel guide to yep. Singapore or whatever. So yep. we did, um, I got looped in for the Singapore one with like two other photographers and um, somehow got chucked like a huge lot of it. And, <laughs> somehow. <laughs> yeah. And dude, I shot 20 days straight. Oh. Like, so my wife became producer for me. So she organized all the phone calls because Monocle doesn't do that. Yeah. And um, yeah, man, like. It After, felt fucking terrible. Yeah, it's horrible, man. Because like, you gotta, you gotta like organize all the things yourselves. And some, some of these people never heard of the magazine. They don't know who you are. So you know, it's like, uh, can I come in, take one shot of something on a plate, like some food? You know, there's a cafe. One lifestyle shot, one spatial shot, and then you're doing like three, four locations a day for twenty days straight. Yep. So to me, after that, I was like, well, anything's anything's fine now. <laughs> So that's the benchmark. Yeah. So, so like year after year, like for the last five years, it's been almost day to day to day to day yeah. to day. So apart from your expensive taste, what <laughs> what taste. motivates you to still pick up the camera, try to find something interesting about the things you're shooting and continue shooting? Mm. Is there like a personal look outlook you have with regards to the, the, the way you approach work yeah what what continues to motivate you well i mean I, th- I think with like most creatives you don't ever feel like you've done the best yet right okay it's always the next one will be better so you're you're just looking for that better thing each time or how you can improve doing a certain thing because the last i don't know you missed it that last time or you, you had time constraints or whatever so how you know it's, it's how do you um Become a better person, a better professional, and and put out like work that can surprise yourself and others as well. So I, th- I think that's like um, huge motivation to continue doing what you do. Or you get burnt out and you just stop doing it. Yeah, and some people <laughs> just get burnt out. But um, <laughs> I, I I don't want to think I'm that weak. You know, I okay. I, I want to think like yeah, shit, I got this. You know what I mean? Like I I, I want to be like on the forefront of things. Mm. So you know, to me, it's like okay seeing people suddenly copy what we do now. What's next? Like, how do we, like, how do we, um, you know, melt some brains? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Drugs. <laughs> so I guess the, 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 the competitiveness of it still kind of energizes you to a certain degree. Yeah, most definitely, man. Competition is, like, huge. Is there a lot of competition in the photography scene? Uh, perhaps specifically in the space you're at? I think, probably. Um, okay. I mean... With new clients, um, especially if they're established already, it's usually through them that you find out, or oh, who who did you use before? Why are you coming? Like, and same you question. do a Google Google yeah, spreadsheet of that. No, I don't. I really don't care. Like, because okay. I'd like to think that you know, if you're with me, you're with me for a reason. You know, sometimes you don't think that way. Like, sometimes you get a bit let down. But um, I try and think like, okay, well, if they're coming to me. They obviously want to, you know, try something. Um. But yeah, I, th- I think there are competition, but, you know, I feel like everyone does things a certain way. There will be people who try and copy, you know, especially if they see you being successful doing what you do, right? It's not like we've always been successful. Like back back then, people would be like, oh, your shots are too dark or they're too tight or they're too whatever. And I'm just like, you know, that's a big F you and be like, well, <laughs> let me find someone who will let me do this first yeah. and prove to you that this is going to be better. And in a year's time, you're going to call me and be like, Actually, it works, and can you try and apply this somehow? And then, you know, I'm not going to be like, oh, stuck on, be like, told you, whatever. <laughs> but, like, you know, be like, okay, now you see it. Maybe it took a freaking long time, but, like, you know, let's try it out. 
Mm. And if it works, it works. It doesn't, then go back to wherever you, wherever you came from or whoever you came yeah. came with, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I try not to let that bother me, bother me too much. There, there's competition in everything you do, you know? Mm. I have like two possibly interrelated questions. So mm. the first part of it, uh, assuming that you have faced creative block before with regards to your craft, mm-hmm. uh, what has helped you perhaps overcome this particular plateau? Mm. The second part to this question is what... Do you think this, you know, if, if you look back on your journey with photography, what do you mm. think this craft has taught you about yourself? Mm. I guess it's uh, about myself. That, I don't know, I never thought I could like run a business, I guess. Okay. Like I was always really shit at school, like up until probably like uni, because that was something of interest. Um, but, you know, never, never was you know, all too great at school. So, you know, you never think like, okay, because I'm, I'm, I'm bad at school, I'm going to be good at something out of outside of life. Maybe it's a very, like, modern way of thinking now. Like, a lot of kids get told that. Mm. But back, you know, like, when we were younger, you know, it's not like anyone said like, oh, don't worry, maybe when you grow up... You, you might know, run a successful yeah, you, business. You, 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 <laughs> might, you might be something else. You know what I mean? <laughs> I've never heard anyone say that before. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because no one wants to, like, jump the gun as well, right? <laughs> Shit. So... Yeah, I think I think I think what I'm I'm quite like grateful for is that you know people people who have like uh, found trust in me somehow, you know whether it's through the work or like just you know just wanting to be friends and 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 you know trusting that I can deliver on something. Uh, yeah, I think it's more so the business side and and the fact that um, you know I, I can try and convince people of a certain vision. And, and it's not something I planned to do, you know, mm-hmm. like this whole thing was just like, it was always just like, just go out there, put out something fresh, you know, and, 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 you know, you'd hope that someone would get interested in it. Yeah. What about the creative block? Creative block. What, what has helped you overcome certain creative plateaus that you have experienced on your, on your journey? Mm, I think understand where you, you came from, you know, like, um, like you asked me about like, people who were inspiring me like during the blogging yeah. kind of years right i still look at those people up and see what they're doing interesting yeah. even after so long yeah like um like ryan wilms is all like about like fitness and health now <laughs> 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 right um it's a natural trajectory I mean, yeah i mean and, street culture <laughs> fitness <laughs> yeah then, and then you know like like dime is obviously a lot bigger yeah. than what it was um so maybe going back into your past and like understanding why you, you know, were interested in this to begin with, or, you know, even with like doing things with like my friends at Ometer and stuff like that, you know, I don't, I don't shoot fashion all that much, but you know, when I do it with them, it's out of pure interest. So, so then you, you'd find different things to apply your, your new perspectives to, and then that may then spark like an idea or a certain feeling that you can then bring back to your, your day to day. But when you look at, let's say fashion or even street culture today, mm. Um, through what lens are you looking at? Not not a camera pun. Like how, how how are you uh, perceiving like the 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 street culture that you grew up with mm. that you experienced mm. and today? Well, it seems to like I mean I mean it's true that it, it makes cycles, right? Yep. Like like look at this dunk thing. I I always think of the dunk thing as like a very uh, early or mid two thousands uh, like Far East culture. Yeah. You know when Juice magazine was around and shit. Yep. But you know, it was a huge thing in Japan as well, right? Which is why most of us got into this this sneaker thing mm-hmm. or streetwear thing in the first place. 
so my views on it, I don't know. It's it's obviously very saturated. There's way too many brands trying to be like other brands. But I mean, fortunately, there are people coming out and doing things that still like um you're still like, oh shit, okay, that that's still fresh. You know, like uh like I I quite like uh Noah. You know, oh. I mean he came out of like Supreme and all that, right? What about Noah do you like? I don't know, there's like a lifestyle aspect that's really you know, their their whole their website, the stores, um the brand has this feeling that is 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 quite nice and seems quite real. Like you know the way they communicate. Like um, is it Brendan? His 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 um his his interest in you know environmental issues mm-hmm. and stuff like that. You know and how it translates into the clothing he makes and some of the messages they're trying to say. Right, and they're transparent as well. You know they're saying like you know we make clothes to 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 survive and we understand that you know even by making clothes to start with. It still impacts the environment, but yep. you know we try and do it in some way that that um, it's conscious. Yeah, it's conscious, right? Or you try and limit it so that it's you know, and and it plays back into the business because because it's limited, then it goes back to that hype, and people want to buy it out, so it makes the business thrive. You know, so I think they're like an interesting brand um, in in that whole like uh, I guess streetwear scene now. Uh, but I, I think generally. Um, I don't know, man. Like, <laughs> pretty, <laughs> pretty turned off, man. Like, like you know, once in a while, like, I stopped buying sneakers altogether. Um, trying to be more practical. After like what, fifty sneakers or what? Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> so I've still got, I think, like forty something okay. pairs of shoes, but they're not all sneakers, obviously. Um, okay. Any of the Vissims that you were talking about? Yeah, the last I had a pair of FBTs, but they broke down this year, so. <laughs> They're just on display it in the studio now. <laughs> like it's uh, it's like looking at antiques, you know. Sometimes it's like wabi sabi, you know, it's a bit broken. <laughs> like, but you can restore them somehow and then display it. So that's, that's wabi sabi in my office. Um, I don't know. Like, um, like the most recent thing I got were a pair of Guidis. What's that? Like, um, Italian handmade, like horse leather shoes. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. So, so that that is what's like quite interesting to me now like these uh you know artisanal more more artisanal stuff whereby maybe it's hard to get because of i don't know the numbers they make or price point or whatever but you know it's one obviously you're just satisfying your own cravings but two it's also like um i don't know you tell yourself things right like you try and justify (laughs) things like okay i'm gonna buy less but better (laughs) So I started giving away all my shoes. Like, like <laughs> I gave away like two pairs of Air Maxes like two yeah. weeks ago. Yeah. Um, I can't bear to like let go of my Dunk SBs because I've got one pair left and they are like pristine. But what is it about them that you don't want to give it up? I think the Dunks and Air Forces really remind me of my youth. Gotcha. Because I was like crazy. I used to draw shoes, man. Like that's how much I loved shoes. Okay. Okay. So I painted this like Air Force One in my room, my bedroom wall, like when I was a kid. Um, like that's how much I loved that whole like sneaker thing. Um, you know when I was like. 15 yeah then i don't know whether it's it's just the way it's perceived now or because it's more about like it's a lot of like this reselling shit right like Mm. like um people used to buy these things wear them and actually try and look good in them but now it's like you're buying certain things for like status value Mm. like dude those off-white shoes are fucking ugly man like (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, Off-White yeah. is freaking ugly as a brand. Like, I can, you know, accept, like, what Virgil is about. But didn't he come from, like, an architectural background? Yeah, I mean, that's, but that's the sale, right? That's the brand sale. <laughs> it's so, the brand story. Yeah, you know, I've got his book, I read it. <laughs> but, um, and dude, I mean, it's a good, 
good marketing technique, if anything. But, um, dude, like, Off-White, that's a no for me. Like, I just can't see myself, like, looking proper in any of that that stuff. It's just weird. Um, but, yeah, I mean, those shoes, like, I mean, okay, granted, some of the collabs with Nike were nice. But, yep. um, like, I mean, how many, what, the 10, right? So there's 10 of them. Maybe, like, two are nice. Like mm. Maybe the Prestos and I don't yep. know the Air Force Ones. I would say the whole the whole lead up and the branding for that particular release. I think that's pretty interesting. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's the part I respect. You know, like it's like the way they they market it and sell it. That's that's really cool, from like a business marketing perspective. But um, if I'm looking at the uh, the object itself, nah, like like that whole, you know, it's true. Like it's coming back now. Like that, um, you know, late '90s kind of early 2000s yep. look. Yep. You know, with a bit, with a few changes, mm-hmm. I, I think I think that's kind of like comforting, just because of our age, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, I, I'm not a fan of like uh, upselling things for the sake of it being uh, having this perceived value, like like expensive T-shirts and stuff like that. I don't I don't get it, man. Like four hundred dollar T-shirts, mm-hmm. unless it's like you know, unless they were handmade with like some I don't know, like some worm that only makes certain kind of silk <laughs> once every two years or something. You know, like, why is this shirt 500 bucks, yeah, man? Yeah. Like, dude, you know, it's insane. But that's, that's like the current um, streetwear climate, right? Which yep. is, which I have no respect for, man. Like, I'm not into it. Like, you know, you, you get a bit cringy, like just seeing people like walking around with these clothes sometimes. So yeah, I think, I think my interests have started to veer elsewhere now. <laughs> so it shifted to more artisanal stuff. I wouldn't say. I mean, I I still like like you know like Americana mm. inspired or or like like vintage. Yep. Right. I still get quite excited. You know, every time we go to Japan and then you you go thrift shopping. Um, but uh, yeah, the 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 the, the darker side of like fashion has has been quite alluring. Like the um the deep end. I guess most people would kind of easily relate to like more like that Rick Owens stuff. I don't particularly like like Rick Owens. I wouldn't wear his shoes or stuff, you know, but um, that that dark kind of... More, what are you talking about? Like more gothic looking okay, fashion, okay. you know, like the okay. Yoji stuff where it's a bit more... The silhouettes uh, are a little bit different. Yeah, they're a bit more abstract and it's a bit more about like form and it's a bit more experimental. You know, maybe I wouldn't wear it myself, like I'm clearly not dressed that way, but but I can really appreciate You're that. You're just hanging up in the studio and just admire it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I have, I have stuff like that's like that, you know? Basically, yeah. you, you just buy it because it's a nice uh, it's a nice design. And so you try and collect these things. Maybe I can pull it off, but... Do you think it influences the way you create, meaning the way you look at photography? All these things? Yes, totally. Like, I'm starting to find looking at some things a bit difficult now. Like, I used to try and like... Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely affected... Um, I think it's because I'm like more exposed to a very wide um, genre, like variety of design now. So, you know, naturally it starts to um, change the way you you view things as a whole, right? So the way you perceive things, your approach, everything starts to change slowly. It's, it's, it's just a natural progression. So, you know, like, I don't know how to put it, man. Like, I, I used to like... Oh, well, maybe I should put it the other way around. I used to hate seeing, like, um, very ornate things. Like... You have to you have to describe that. What is what is that? <sighs> like, dangly bits? Like, 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 think of, like, classical architecture, right? Like, like mm. that... Like, 
17th, 18th century, like, white person architecture. You know, like, <laughs> you like, paint me a clearer picture, like man. columns and, like, heavy, you know, you know, nothing modern. Like, like, you're, you're talking about, like, stone buildings and shit. Okay. Right? okay. I used to be like, no, I don't get it. Like, why, why do people like these things? But then, you know, after you see and you experience these things, maybe you go to, like, a, a museum or something that's in a heritage building and, and you know, they've, they've left some of these structures around or you start to read a bit more about, about, you know, the history of certain kinds of architecture, for example, or clothing, right? And then you're like, ah, oh, maybe I do see it this way now, you know, like, like, like now I'm saying like, oh, maybe I can pull off like Rick Owens shoes. Five no, years time, maybe I'm just decked out of Rick Owens, yeah. man. Like, you know, like shoes up to my kneecap and shit. <laughs> like, you don't know, you know, yeah, yeah. maybe something influences you and you're like, ah, oh, maybe, maybe I see it now. I, I know why those guys like those things so much, you know, maybe I'll start wearing off white, bro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like it's it's you go first. <laughs> <laughs> after this you're gonna check on carousel yeah, like how much yeah, is selling yeah, right? go go and grail <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't know man highly doubt it but um it's it's these kind of things like i believe like if you naturally progress and learn more things and i i am super into learning new things right then then you then you start seeing things in a different light and and that then translates into like how you view your work how you view life you know how you perceive certain colors. Like, I'm sure I'm into some colors I used to hate when I was a kid, you know? Okay. So, so it's that kind of thing. Like, like you just grow into things. But, you, but but the precursor to that is that you kind of really have to, I won't say push yourself to try new things, but you kind of have to be open, first of all, to, to even the idea of trying it, even though you might uh, you might have an initial reaction to to dislike it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, my approach is always like, I'll try anything once, right? Like, even, even if... if Man, dude, like I've shot nightclubs, man. I don't even club, dude. What do you mean nightclubs? Nightclubs like the hotel? Or? No, like 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 clubs. Like, okay. Like, but it's standard affair. Do you consider something like that a standard affair? No, like we because I mean because of the work I put out, people come to us for certain kinds of like work, right? So I don't shoot clubs, you know. I I, you know, I don't even go to clubs to be honest. But we got asked to shoot this like um, pretty big club in okay. Singapore okay. like last year or something, and um. I was like, why? Like, <laughs> why am I here? Why am I doing this? And, and, and that was, that was one of those shoots that like at the end of it all it just went really sour because then I realized, okay, these guys were totally aligned. I don't know what they were looking at in our portfolio, but the things they were asking for, especially in post-production was like, dude, this looks nothing like the stuff I do. And like, I can't see it that way. And if I, if I don't see it that way, I don't want to try and force it. Right. I'll try. But then, you know, if you ask like five times and still not working out for either of us, you know, it's, clearly it's a disconnect. Yeah. So I, I wouldn't say, you know, try everything once, right? And then from there you figure out like what you like, what you don't so like. So nightclubs, nightclubs are a hard limit. No? Nightclubs, you know, un- until until something somehow fits the bill. <laughs> right now, like if it's like a, you know, what you think a nightclub is, I, I don't think. It has to be a nightclub in like a, like a, like a mansion or something. <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> something that's just really well designed. This one was just over the top, man. It was just yeah. like, you know, I mean, it was, it was impressive. Oh. You know, and they had huge celebrities come in and do all this. But, um, you know, they had, like, great technology and stuff in the club. But, you know. Something was off. It, it impressed me. But, like, I think maybe the people were, like, I don't know. They just weren't, like, on a level, man. They were just, like. And that's where the people reading thing comes in, right? Yeah. So, the thing is, um, the person I dealt with directly was kind of, like, decent. <laughs> but then, um, like, her superior was, like, kind of a bitch. Yikes. And like, you know, just having this ego, like, I don't know, you you don't know me, like, well, what's up with this goddamn attitude, man? Like, you know, like, cut that shit out. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want to just talk as people, right? Because let's respect each other. Yep, yep. You don't like what you're seeing. Tell me why. Not just say, I don't know, you figure it out. 
right? <laughs> like, I didn't expect to, like, look at this, you know, I, I didn't think the club was beautiful, but I'm still trying, Mm-mm. right? So, like, play your part. Um, yeah, so so it's that kind of thing, you know? Like, I'm not going to reject everything, like, straight up, unless they show me, like, like, hey, you know, these, these are some pictures of a house you need to shoot. And I'm like, yo, <laughs> this is bad. And, like, I feel bad charging you money for this. I, I would tell them that, you know, I'd be like, I don't want to charge you money because I don't see you that way. Find someone else. It's like, yep. please. Yep. That's, there's other people and maybe they like it and they'll want to do a better job. So there's a certain sense of honesty. And, and you have and to be, you know, yeah. so, you know, I, I, I don't want to, I hate, I always feel like people perceive me as being like, uh, you know, like I, 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 when I tell them these things, like, I feel like uh, they think I'm too good for their work. Okay. Which is really not the case. It's, it's just that I don't, I really just cannot see it. Or I feel like, you know, you just be wasting your money on me. Like you're probably better off finding someone, you know, who is more aligned with your kind of views than, than I am. Because if it's really too far off, it's too far off. And, you know, unless, unless you really want me, I'll throw you a big, invo- uh, big, big quote and then you, you decide to pay for it. Then, then so be it, I guess. You know, I'll, I'll take the money as the a- One step closer uh, to the car. Yeah, a bit, a bit of pain, you know. I'll be like, okay, maybe I can buy something else with this. Do you or, find it? You say more no's than yes as no, you progress along I, the path. I think um no no no. I, I think I think I, I I still I still you know say yes to jobs um and any kinds of jobs, but um yeah, like I said, the no's only come if 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 it's like too far gone. Um, I I don't think like, there's like a red red alert basically yeah, 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 something yeah, yeah. like that. It has to be like pretty far gone before <laughs> I'm like, uh, you know, because because I, I'd like to think um, that my my role is to, you know, because I understand how the interior say interior design business goes, right? Like, unless you're like super established, your client just listens to everything you want. You're you're never as a designer, you're never gonna get that hundred percent vision all the Fair time, yep. right? So my job to some extent is to go there and try and you know maybe out of styling or or through the way I see certain things or frame certain things up, I'm there to try and help you get your work to as close to the level that you wanted, you had initially conceptualized it yep. to be, right? And that's where I feel like, you know, that's what you pay me money for, aside from like what the shots actually come mm-hmm. out. You know, it, it's, it's, that, it's that understanding and vision, right? It's because I understand the design, I understand maybe what you're telling me you're trying to achieve, and I'm trying to help you achieve that in photographic or video form. And that's where I feel like, you know, my time and your money is well spent, right? So no, I'm not. I'm not, I'm not rejecting like tons of people. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> <laughs> maybe in the future. Yeah, maybe. But you know, it would come down to like a timing thing, or yep. is it maybe these people are just they just seem nasty. Like I, I don't like people who don't know how to write emails. You know, like <laughs> like if they're just like, "Hi, uh, can you?" Da, 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 then it's like, no. Like, like improper punctuation. Yeah, that's a straight like that. no. Like, you know, I don't, I don't expect your English to be perfect, but like, you know, at least be like, hello, <laughs> someone, you know, if it's, you don't know who we are, maybe hello, Studio Periphery. Like, I'm, you know, hope you're well. You know, <laughs> you know, you know it's just, just basic, like, acknowledgement of respect. Yeah. Like, that's just something I feel like has gone out the window. Like, mm. it's, it's, it happens so often and, and straight away it leaves a bad taste in your mouth, like in my mouth anyways. So I'm just like, God damn, this person better like just be like I don't know, maybe sp- speaks another language at home or doesn't know how to write emails. Like, you know, like like 
Like at least try, dude. Like it's not hard to Google anything these days. Yeah, you know, yeah. how do you write a formal email? Dear <laughs> you just Mark, copy the template. <laughs> yeah, just copy. Like, like, why is it so difficult? Do you not have time? Then perhaps I don't know. Do something else. Like figure it out because it's rude and no one likes you know that first impression. That yep. you know bad first impressions. Just you know, yeah, I don't like that. What is something that you have not had the opportunity to shoot yet? Oh. Mm. I'm just because that and I'm curious to know uh, would you ever shoot let's say like religious buildings like temples and stuff like that yes I would because churches and temples usually have lots of budget and um, they do yeah yeah man okay churches man <laughs> okay uh, churches maybe but temples I'm not so sure <laughs> some but- temples I, I <laughs> okay. swear man you've seen some nice temples yeah um, yeah for sure like t- tons of nice mosques and stuff as mm. well but, you know like famous ones you know like the I don't know, there's like a really famous Tara Ando church in Japan. It's beautiful. Um, there's a bunch of really nice mosques here. You know, yeah, I'd love to, because I'm, I'm looking at purely from a design perspective, right? I'm not, I'm not, you know, unless I'm at a church and this guy comes up to me and like, yo, you should believe in God and all this. <laughs> then I'm like, yo, I'm out, right? Because I'm not religious. Like yeah. I respect your religion. But I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to tell you to believe in Satan and all this. Like, so don't tell me to believe in God. Like, you know, like, it's, it's just not cool, right? Like, to each his own. But um, very objectively, yes, I will shoot a church or a temple or a mosque or whatever. Yeah. Just for the, the beauty of it. Yeah, because a lot of times, like, dude, Islamic architecture is beautiful because they love, like, math, right? And, mm. and patterns and stuff like that. Mm. So sometimes you get these really nice designs just because, you know, because of a certain, like, cultural or religion kind of thing, you know? And um, I don't, I, I don't think you should just pass up an opportunity just because, you know. In the same vein, of a satanic cult came to me, I'll, I'll shoot it as well. The statue? Yeah, I mean, if it's, if it's, you know, <laughs> if it's beautiful and if it's a well thought out design, yeah, why not, man? Like, mm. I'm not opposed to it. You got to be fair. I think, I think that's the, I think that's the thing, right? I can't just be like, you know, I would only shoot one religion or the other. Like, gotcha. Yeah, you know, whether it's viewed as good or bad, I'll, I'll, I'll still attempt. So I'm curious to take your. <laughs> I'm curious to have your opinion on Japan. Uh huh. What is your obsession with Japan? Or uh, what, what do you enjoy about that cultures? Because speaking as someone who does not understand why his friends enjoy Japan so much. Oh. Uh, I guess being the line, you're. You, 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 but you don't like Japan. I've never been, but oh. I don't see anything that might particularly attract me to go there. Mm. Yeah, I can I can understand in my head like mm. yes I like certain things about it mm. but I don't understand particular uh, fascinations with with Japan uh, in general yeah what is it a, what in your opinion is so fascinating about it um well I mean they've got like a rich culture right and you know it helps that it's an as Asians they're Asian as well mm. it 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 makes you know even if as a first time visitor it makes um it makes the experience overall a little more comfortable okay you know if if you're if you're sensitive to th- these kind of things um but another thing is because they're they have such rich culture in in just about anything you know to do with daily living mm. um there's there's lots of stuff to find out and, and see and the fact that they've maintained their heritage quite well is quite interesting and how they find ways to modernize their heritage mm. 
you know, I think, I think that's, um, that's quite interesting. I think to, I think, I think Singaporeans in general quite like Japan, you know, and, and we, we love the food and stuff like that. Um, but it's also like the people, you know, I'm not saying like all Japanese people are like amazing, you know, I'm sure they're like bad. They're all liars, well. of course. Yeah. But, um, you know, f- my own experience is that, um, you know, as a, as a kid, I like, I liked a lot of Japanese things, you know, like, uh, whether it's, uh, the, the anime. Doraemon? No, I wasn't a Doraemon, yeah, okay. but, uh, I like, I love Ultraman gotcha. and Godzilla. The T over there, I think, Jamera. Yeah, can I stay on for yeah. what it costs? Yeah. <laughs> but um, you know, I like all the kaiju stuff. Mm. Um, I was really huge on like Digimon, Pokemon, mm. and and then now growing up, you know, I still like those things. But then, then you start to have an appreciation for like their architecture, their their design, their innovation, and their cars. You know, and 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 the fact that people at least try to be nice. You know, even even if it's like a forced culture thing. Mm-mm-mm. At least, uh, you know, you know, in Singapore, let's being honest, like someone will piss you off at some point, someday, somewhere. Like, probably yeah. whether it's the probably on your trip here, someone pissed you off. Yeah, yeah, maybe bad drivers, yeah. whatever, you know. But yeah, it's, it's talking about Japan, right? I, 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 I think I tapped someone with a car uh, once when I was driving there because um, I was so used to like cars being able to go first here, Mm-mm. whilst in Japan, everyone was it's, it's pedestrian friendly. Yep. But in Singapore, it's the other way around, right? So once um, on, a, on a driving trip, I think, I, I don't know where I was, countryside somewhere, driving like a huge Alphard, yep. right? Um, exiting this car park and uh, nearly just like ran someone over because I thought I had to ride away. <laughs> but so, so it's things like that, like, um, you know, like they respect each other in that sense. You know, it's um, it's very comforting. You know, you, you, you can try and ask someone for directions in the street there and they're not going to just try and shrug you off or think you're like, you know, creep. Uh, <laughs> yeah, creep or, or, or doing something like negative, right? Like it's they're, they, they, they're quite positive in that sense. So th- there's a lot to, to, to love about Japan, you know, from the food to the culture to just having like endless things to find. And, you know, they're, they're very um, particular people as well. Like they take care of their things. So, you know, like me, if you like um, buying old things like clothes, watches <laughs> or toys or, or yeah. cameras. Yeah. Dude, it's a place to be, man. Like, you know, you can find like I, I got a watch there um, that is a good 20 years older than I am. Right. That looks like it hasn't been worn. You know, it, everything's just kept to such um, high standards there. Mm. So I think I think that's one of the things that. Yeah, not only myself, like a lot of people find very interesting about Japan. There's a natural beauty as well, obviously, you know, the, I don't know, you know, like, like different countries and cities have different, like, uh, light. As a photographer, light, like natural light is, you know, I get very sensitive to the different kind of natural light, right? Like, every city and country has a different color. I find Singapore is a bit hard. There's this, there's this, there's this color that's very hard to work with. But in Japan, you can shoot anything, anywhere. And it still looks great. Like there's there's a natural light to 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 Japan, you know, whether you're in the city or in the country. That's that's very beautiful. So that's that's that as well. So so I think I think there's just a very nice all round um, beauty to that country that I think uh, myself and a lot of people like. Do you think it could be visitor syndrome? Like, have you stayed there in any particular length of time? Uh, I think the longest was probably. F- Four weeks or five weeks, you okay. know, just one way ticket and just 
just chilled. Uh, that was one of the first things I did actually after moving back to Singapore. Um, just visiting friends. Yeah. Um, yes, I guess, you know, I, I mean, I, I try and be real as well. Like, um, you know, I look at the way they're, they're the, what they call a salary man, like yeah, yeah. How, how they live. Like, yep. dude, that's not for me. It's man. rough. Yeah. It's rough. Like if people think like in Hong Kong and Singapore, it's bad. I think Japanese have it bad. Yeah. And that whole like drinking with your boss thing. Yo, that's like, that's so not cool. Like, I mean, yeah, I mean, you kind of it's, have to drink. Is that yeah, it? man. Yeah. I mean, drinking culture is so big there. Right. But I feel like that's like borderline, like affecting your health, no. you know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like yeah. should be a meltdown and yeah. all this. <laughs> like, they have an alcohol problem, mm. smoking problem as well. You I know? think they have a lot of problems. Yeah. They, they are like what the largest, uh, smoking population or something. Right. Is that true? Yeah. I think the largest, at least for women, wow. at least. So, you know, whilst that could be an enjoyable thing, um, they're a bit off balance in that sense. So I, I can see why um, there could be some haters, and I and I try and I try and view things from from both perspe- perspectives, right? Like you know, a lot, a lot of my friends are obviously in fashion and and and, and media and art yep, and whatnot. Yep. So you know, it it would seem like all they're doing is skateboarding and creating <laughs> creating music videos. You know, I've got a friend who's just like he's just chilling. Yeah. He's putting out a hip hop video every other week, and they're all you know doing ads with like Kiko and stuff like that. I'm just like how, you know? And then and then he's just this guy who's just you know, he looks, looks like one of us, like wearing jackets two times too big for him, like Dickies <laughs> fans. I mean, just a regular street guy. Super carefree, yeah. Yeah, he's my age or maybe a year older. Yeah. And making good money and putting out good work, like huge respect. Yeah. But then, you know, you see the other side, which you see everywhere. It's just that you try and shut it off, which is the salary man side. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, dang, you know, you know, like that lifestyle sucks. Yeah. But at least they got to eat like dope. Ramen every day. You, know, you know what I mean? Like, like that. Maybe get used to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe, it's like super maybe normal like, for, you know, you know how they love like laksa and stuff here, but for us, it's oh, like, do yeah. you? Yeah, man. So, so sometimes when I like, um, like my friend, uh, let me try that. Um, you you know that Briani guy on Instagram? Oh, the one that uh, like it's super limited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sells yeah, out, yeah. he sells yeah. out. Yeah. So yeah. I didn't know, and um, my my friend like donated like a couple of boxes to me the other day, dude. When I ate it, I'm like. Oh, if I was like a rich guy or if I was, if I was from a rich family, I would be like that guy that invests in this guy and make him open a shop in Japan make because him. I'm like, yo, this, this is like going to be a hit. Like you just have to like maybe reduce the oil a little bit. So it's not so like too unhealthy looking, but you know, it, it's just like how Indian food is like so huge in Japan. You know, they love mm. curries as long as you just don't make it too spicy. Right. Oh, it's a bit more of a gravy kind of thing. Dude. Yeah. So, but what, <laughs> let's say for that in particular I'm sure you had biryani before so what's the difference I'm huge on biryani man yeah so why why is that guy's biryani so good yeah I don't know man like sometimes it's hard to explain like some biryani's like the rice is decent and then you kind of just need that 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 topping of maybe the mutton's amazing or the texture of the mutton just falls off the bone and the curry's mm. like decent and combination is so good everything falling into place but like- this guy man so I've had the veggie one and I had the um, I'd like to say is it mutton or beef and it's just mind blowing. Like the the color of the rice is so um, it's quite plain compared to your usual like reddish brown, mm. right? It's this one's more like an off white, um, and then you know sprinkled with lots of interesting. Um, and he leaves it all in, like all the spices and stuff is just all in there. The veggie one blew my mind because it was like all kinds of stuff I wasn't expecting to be in there, right? And then when I tasted it, like it looks very subtle, and when you taste it, whoa! Like the flavors. 
man dude it was one of the best things i ate this year man it, it was so good and and it doesn't even come with curry man <laughs> so, it's like the, all in one you know it's so good and then he's got this acha which is like this uh i guess it's mostly like pineapple and i'm, I'm no chef man i can't even cook <laughs> but but you know it's lots of pineapple and chilies and stuff yeah and dude it's it's like the only acha i can recall aside from the maybe the katong mall chicken rice one you know yeah okay okay, dude, okay it's yeah. like it's so good so Man, you know, that's the kind of standard I hope to achieve in my own work as well. Like, Interesting. Like, like that to to be so mind blown by subtlety. Mm. Mm, that that's huge for me. Interesting. Yeah. Um, shifting the focus back to Japan for a little. <laughs> yeah. Um, what do you think? They have often been regard be regarded as a culture as as, uh, as I think you mentioned in this in this uh, podcast mm. as being tastemakers mm-hmm. for for some reason like. Uh, Perhaps now even the West look to them mm. in terms of let's say style, mm. culture, what is trending, what is not trending. Mm. What, in your opinion, uh, allows them or enables them to be such tastemakers? Is it because of the ethics? I think so. And it's eye for detail, and you know everything that s- someone who authentically wants to make a good product wants to needs to have, right? Mm. Like there's um I think there's a recent article or maybe not so recent about how. I think the title was something like How Japan Saved Americana, right? Yep. Dude, they make the best denim, mm-hmm. right? Like, how is it this thing came out of, like, America and then became so good in Japan mm. that now Americans are going to Japan to find <laughs> <laughs> denim? You know, what the heck, right? Or, you know, if you look at the history of some of their cars, like the the, the, the Skyline, right? The GTR, which is, like, a huge thing, the Nissan mm-hmm. GTR. Um, I mean, have you seen the first one? It looks like a Ford something or other. Right, they they try and copy like the Datsun at the time, which is Nissan. They tried to copy like um, I think what Ford was doing with, I don't know. I would say the Mustang or whatever it was back then. It looked identical, right? So they stole this idea, and then somehow like just you know after iteration and iteration, they just kind of like molded it and made it their own, and then just made it better. Mm. So I think I think it's just in their culture to to um, you know just. Make sure that when you do something, you do it very right. You know, Mm-mm. like it's hard to find bad food in Japan, man. Like eating. That's what I hear. You could have a whole meal at Family Mart. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I it's hear. So good. Even the tissue papers are really good. What's a tissue paper? Tish, t- like tissue paper. What? Like, packet tissue. What do you mean? It's very good. They've got this silky one, bro. And because <laughs> I, I get, I get like really bad sinus issues, <laughs> yeah. so I end up using a lot of tissue, and then usually cuts my nose. Okay. Like then I get all pain. Like you know, especially yep. in winter, it's painful, yep, right? Yep. But um, they've got this silky one that you can use it as many times as your nose. And it's just like, it's like running a silk Hermes scarf <laughs> on your nostrils. <laughs> and it feels good. <laughs> so, it's, you know, it's things like that, like down to like little, little, you know, like cu- things that are just worth a couple of cents done, done really well. So I, I think that's the huge reason why they've got like some of the best artists some of the best, you know, everything. It's just because like so much care and, time is put into that and and i think it's also because the people there appreciate that care and time is put into something whilst here you know i get clients telling me not don't waste your time on this like you it's probably uh it probably affects you more than it affects us that kind of thing just to get the job done you know but there is like you know we want to get a job done but before we get there we need to do it very right first so you know if it takes more time let's try and find ways to let you take more time to but get something we have to give right like let's say for that the time, time would have yeah. to give yeah yeah but i mean you know, unless you have something huge to lose, what's the rush? 
Right. Like it's that's why they they're known for their craft, right? It seems like a middle ground between what we talked about earlier, Australia and Singapore. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, sadly we live in a place where for some reason everything needs to be done like in a hurry. It, it's always like in the army, right? They tell you you rush to wait, wait to rush. Stupid man. <laughs> you mentioned just now about Wabi Sabi. Mm. And what I like about Japan is that they heritage is one. Mm. And with heritage comes a lot of roots. And with that comes a lot of uh, philosophy. Mm-hmm. So are there any ones in particular that I won't say you live by, but is somewhat at the forefront of your mind when and it influences the way you look at things? In terms of what? Wabi-sabi or traditional? No, in terms of just okay. uh, Japanese thinking, Japanese oh. philosophy. Yeah. I mean, you take a, a few th- things from here and there. So I guess with Japan, yeah, it's that, that whole, you know, idea that, that good things take time. So I, I try and you know, like instill that in myself and, you know, to some extent to my clients as well, you know, whereby, for example, you know, oh, Mark, how'd you get this photo to look this way? Oh, uh, I, I, I stood there with my tripod and camera for an hour. So the sun was in the right position, <laughs> you know, and I sometimes drop these little hints on, on my Instagram. Uh, you know, recently I did the. Uh, I, I went back to shoot um, the concourse again. Mm-hmm. Beautiful, like Paul Rudolph again. Yeah, I shot it a bunch of times, but you know, like it's revisit twenty twenty with new mindset. So it's went to textile center. There's like you know the staircases that are quite popular. I guess yeah. Yeah, and there's like a nice vantage point there, dude. I stood there for like one and a half hours, man, just waiting for the sun to set, and just took a bunch of different exposures at different timings, just so I can go back and compare. Like ah, you know, if the sun is in this spot. And the sky is, looks like this to my eyes. The camera renders it like this. So when I approach another project next time, when I'm shooting another skyscraper or whatever, I should try and take this approach and how I can convince my client or just see. So I posted this thing in a carousel where it's like, um, you know, these shots were like, I think three or five minutes apart. Mm. And the dramatic difference in just how the sky glows and how the building glows from the sky, you know, it's just matching exposures and, and that technical understanding of how things work. You know, it's, it's, it's how you, you know, it's, it's that aspect that I take from like Japanese culture of, of like, you know, crafting things over time to make things better that I try to instill in myself in my work and then use that as proof to kind of like show clients, for example, like, you know, see it works this way. So, <laughs> so freaking trust me, dude, <laughs> you know, like, like it works. So, you know, if you want this effect, then the, the, the setback is time. So, you know, we, like in architect, architectural photography, we do um, twilight shots, right? Which is when you get that sky at a particular kind of blue, whether it's in the morning or nighttime. So that it's not nighttime where it's like black, almost black yep. skies. It's that glowing blue. Mm. And that whole thing lasts, you know, depending on where you are in the world, anywhere from like 10 minutes to maybe 20 minutes max. And yep. even then, yep. that twilight is, the is very blue, different. Right? So, you know, some people will say, oh, can you shoot five twilight shots? Well, unless I have five of me and five cameras, you know, we'd have to spread this over some time, mm. right? To get it all looking the same way. But do they do they understand what they're asking you? Uh, some some do. Which is, <laughs> okay. well, I mean, every client's different. So <laughs> those that are more woke would obviously be like, yeah, I understand. So maybe we can revisit. Would you be okay with this? Um, you know, and sometimes they'll be like, oh, I, I can pay you for this extra visit or just include it in your in your quote to yep. me. I mean, if they're nice enough, I'll just come back. You know, <laughs> right? If you're not being a pain in the ass, I'll come back and do it because I'm interested and the building is nice and you're not an asshole. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it, 
this is why relationships are so important. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, you know, it's 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 that understanding. I think hopefully more people in our our generation and younger will will start to understand these small things as they perhaps educate themselves more and travel more as well. You know, All to right. see it in a new light. In closing, um, mm. I have just one last question with regards to, I guess, uh, how technology is these days. Mm. So, yesterday I was watching a stream on Twitch. Mm. Uh, Cyberpunk. Oh. Just dropped. And this particular streamer was uh, streaming to 110,000 concurrent viewers. Oh, okay. So, I'm just curious to know, um, <clears throat> how do you see, I guess, the craft of photography changing perhaps within the next decade? Because there has been there has been a very linear progression with uh, film mm. to digital. Mm. What do you think is next? Would digital or would, would cameras always be chasing how the eye would perceive certain things? Or how do you imagine perhaps uh, the technology of, of image making, image taking per se would mm. change within the next decade? Oh, man. Because the, the 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 question is really informed because it's Twitch. So yeah. uh, when I think of Twitch, I think of game streaming, and yeah. I think of how I guess within our lifetimes, the how we want to purchase a game has really changed within yes. the span of the last twenty years with the onset of Steam. That really you don't see any like you go to Challenger, you buy the fucking box thing yeah, anymore. Yeah, 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 yeah that yeah, is yeah. a relic. Yeah, yeah, and we're never going back to that. Yeah. So do you foresee something as significant as that changing the way? Uh, perhaps not say cameras would function, but the the whole art of or the whole craft of photography would would shift. Yeah, mm, for sure. Like maybe not in the same way as gaming, um, but I mean it's it's how like how we've got we've had this uh, resurgence of like film photography, right? People who want to shoot on film cameras and develop their own film. Um, it would probably go to a point where. Hiring a photographer would purely be like an indulgence. Oh, I feel like okay. I mean, sad, sad for me, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> you have like five cars by then, so it's okay. <laughs> no, 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 no. Our budgets are shrinking. Um, but I feel like, um, yeah, I mean, if you obviously the way you know the cameras and stuff uh, function and look might change, you know, I mean, even from film to digital to mirrorless to whatever we have now, it's, it's already like a huge leap, right? Um, so I think shooting, it's, 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 it comes back to ways of seeing again, like, um, you know, with, with, with the current way, um, you perceive, um, shooting space, spatial work, you know, like I said, it requires a certain kind of gear, mm. certain kind of like waiting for the light. You know, the, 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 there are already these cameras called like Lytro cameras that um, it just takes a picture and you can control the focus of where the image is like in post. Did you know that? No, but that yeah. sounds like cheating. That, yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> so that it really comes down, I think, in the future would be truly the art of photography. Like why do some people like this is guy I follow uh, Nick Carver on YouTube, right? Okay. He he, I think he's an architectural photographer um, for his bread and butter. So he shoots digital. But his real work, like which is what his channel is about, is um, he shoots large format film photography, but he shoots architecture and landscapes. 
So the whole process, like imagine, imagine like one of those cameras from like yesteryear, a like huge bellows okay, camera. Okay. Like it's massive. You have to carry like, you know, you have to drive it around and everything sits on a tripod. Um, you know, these are, it's not even like a roll of film. It's film slides. So imagine inserting a piece of paper every time you want to take a shot. Oh, wow. So you insert something, expose for it, take it out, make, making sure you don't expose it to the light. So you could go under a cloth and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, like that, that is the true art of photography. And this, you know, even, even the way those cameras and film renders, um, images compared to some of our, like, you know, even medium and medium format or large sensor digital cameras now, it's really different, man. Because, because this is film, like the, the way the, the film and paper reacts to light is just completely different to pixels. But when you say different, is it? different in, in a sense where only a professional photographer can see or is it really different that the layman can tell you maybe a layman if you're interested enough you might feel something like oh okay. something about it is different right why why do people in uh why do you know audio engineers like using um i don't know like old vintage reverbs for example mm. for a certain vocal sound or guitar tone you know it's the same thing that's like maybe you use tube tube amps as an, uh, an example right like you know, something about playing guitar through a tube amp that that heats up the amp enough or, or warms it up that a certain sound comes out. And like a warmer tone, right? Like this tone that's just, um, you can replicate it digitally, yep. you know, on Pro Tools or whatever, like a plugin. But, um, you know, it's not going to be the same authentic thing, right? And if you're about the process, then that's a whole different thing. Like, you, there's nothing to touch, right? There's no, there's no knobs. <laughs> just there's no, a dial yeah, it's, it's yeah. like, use your mouse. Now you use a mouse in the future. Maybe use your eyeballs or something. But, yeah. you know, you just rotate this, this fake dial on, on your screen and it, it just doesn't feel the same way. You know, like, ask any DJ who, who uses vinyl and, and, you know, CDJ, whatever yep. you got. It's, it's, it's like, if you can feel the, the scratch, it's, it's different to, you know, a CDJ where you're just, touching plastic right so some people like that touch and the touch makes you feel a certain way and makes you act a certain way you know what i mean like different guitars make you play differently so same with me like um right now different cameras like i've got a bunch of systems and systems like camera systems yeah what what do you mean by that so say like a lot of people like um they do photography they want to you know maybe their first camera was a canon camera or whatever Mm. So naturally you'd progress with the Canon line and all you use is Canon, right? Oh. And maybe that works for you. It feels, you know, the, the, the way a camera feels in your hand is, is quite important. Yep. Like cameras come out, the new models every year, right? Every few okay. months. But um, someone like me and I assume most professionals only use the same few basic functions that you have since film days, right? What, what other functions does a camera have? You know, nowadays they can do like internal HDR, blah, 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 blah. But, you know, all I want to know is, like, I need to be able to set my ISO, which is, back in the day, your film, you know, your film speeds. Yep. Um, meaning how sensitive the film is. Uh, shutter speed, aperture, which is sometimes controlled in your lens, right? So that's all I care about. And it's really basic functions, yeah? Yeah, it's basic. That's, like, three or four things, mm. you know? And so the other important thing is how it feels when you're using the camera, right? Because it makes you act a certain way. Like, this is where the physical part comes in. So if I'm holding my Canon, um, I find it very hard to shoot personal work with my Canon. It just feels like a work camera. You, you f- <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah. So, so I, 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 it's hard, man. Like I, if I'm using the Canon, very rarely do I handhold it. So most of the time, it's uh, 
sitting on a tripod. You do ever want to touch it. Yeah, and particular tripod head as well. So I use a, I think it's called the C1. It's a, it's a cute uh, geared head tripod by Arca Swiss. Okay. So that gives me very precise movements. And I've gotten so used to it that um, even when I shoot portraits, I use it so that everything uh, behind the subject is aligned as well. Okay. Um, so that that's like the thing with the Canon 5D4. Um, but I, I can't shoot video in the 5D4, even though it's relatively decent. I I, I, I become like spastic when I, when I try to. <laughs> Right, uh, but I can I can shoot video quite quite well with my Sony A7, you know, camera. Um, and then you know on the side I've got a bunch of film cameras, but you know I've recently gone back and bought myself a digital Leica M again. So I've got, I've had two M I've got an M6 and an M7 uh, rangefinder camera, but uh, I haven't had time to shoot film like to develop and all that. So I used to have the M240, which is a digital full frame Leica rangefinder. Bought it, used it. Most of the exhibition photos we spoke spoke about before were through that camera, and then kind of didn't have time as I was growing the uh, studio periphery, so I sold it. And then more recently, again, I was like, mm, you know, I really feel like I need this rangefinder feel. I don't have time to develop film, and you know, it's a bit time consuming, and mm. and, and and you know, it costs a lot of money. <laughs> so I mean, the cameras are expensive itself, but film development, yeah. buying film is expensive. So I was like, okay, maybe I should just bite the bullet and, and go back and see if I can get a new M, right? Which is the M10. Well, it's not new. There's the M10R now, which is crazy powerful. But, you know, I don't need, like, huge resolution. Like, to me, 24 megapixels is, is fine. Mm. So I actually went to um, this camera store here that sells used cameras and um, found myself an M10, which is, uh, I think, a three-year-old camera now. But, dude, it's just been, like, a dream. Because these cameras, like, the Leica camera, the way it's heavy, it's kind of hard to hold because it's just, like, a brick. Um, but, you know, the, the glass, the way it, it, it feels in your hand, the way it makes you shoot, it's totally different. So so I use that more for, like, my personal work because okay. it makes me see things and feel things differently. And the way it renders color and contrast, you know, the Leica glass is, like, hard to beat. So that helps me um, do things differently. So it's like, you know, different tools make you feel differently as well. But it's totally a preference, right? Totally preference. So sometimes I show up to a shoot with a uh, Canon. And so sometimes I show up with the Fuji medium and format. Check it, and you check the Canon on tripod. Yeah, but the, <laughs> so the Fuji, then, then you know, internally in my mind, maybe it's like a psycho thing, but, um, you know, it, it if it feels different or the color comes out different or the shutter sounds different, it makes you shoot differently, like... Makes you want to attempt things differently. Do you talk to your cameras? No, not. No, no. okay, not that. <laughs> no, no, not that I'll, crazy. I'll check back in ten years and we'll yeah, see how yeah, that maybe goes. I've gone nuts. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I mean, it's true. I mean, I, I'm sure other photographers feel the same way. Or mm. you know, if like you draw, right? Like, I'm sure some pens make you feel better. A little bit, yeah. Right, right, right. <laughs> okay, I understand. Right, you know, like I, I used to like to doodle a lot. Sometimes yeah. doodling with a ballpoint pen is actually more fun than it is. You know what I mean? Yep. Like those cheap, like big ones. Yeah, yeah, the Dude, cheaper sometimes ones. Sometimes you get like you know, like you can get that pressure feeling on a ballpoint that you can't get with some other pens. Yeah, same thing. It's it's the same. The thing difference with- is that the pen is. 30 cents, your camera is what? Which is why then you have to charge proper fees. <laughs> you know, it goes back. It's 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 a it's a cycle. Like yep. um, you know, I hope people listening to this like really understand, like, you know, you're gonna lowball, sure. You might win this one job, but you're gonna be poor forever. Mm. You know, I'm not saying you're gonna be freaking rich as a photographer. There's better ways of making money if you wanna be rich, for sure. Yep. But you need to be able to afford 
you know, certain luxuries, not, not just because they're luxuries, but because they help you with your day-to-day. You know, if you're eating shit food all the time, you're going to come out fat ass, you know, unhealthy <laughs> McDonald's looking yeah, guy, yeah, yeah. right? But, um, you know, once in a while you treat yourself to a good meal, you feel better, you know, whatever. Like, like, like you overall, you're just, you're just better, like health wise. I don't know. Like, it's more wholesome like that. Exactly. You feel better. You want to do better things. You don't, feel, you know, like sometimes you, you chat on Big Mac and they're great, right? But um, you shit, then like later, years later, yeah, yeah, yeah. you feel like shit. Afterwards, you're just like, ah, I should have eaten those fries. You know, you know. Now, like, if I get it, I like up for a corn cup or something instead. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. So the rep. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't know about the rep, but, but um, you know, it's it's those kind of things. If if naturally, right? Like, if it goes back to the money thing, if you charge really crappy rates so that you can't afford to live well, then how are you gonna, you know, if you're sleeping like shit every night because you chose to like you can't afford a good mattress. Next day you're gonna wake up all like messed up and yep, like yep. your back feels like shit and and then you're not gonna wanna like go to go take that extra shot because you don't wanna crouch down a little bit because your back hurts. You yeah. know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's those small things that that people don't think about. But you know, maybe it's like getting old, like I've got tons of back problems. And 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 you're just like, <laughs> dang, you know, like the reason I bought this car now is because I I've got this very morbid idea that um you know, I, I, with my back issues, I I probably can't get into this car this low little sports car okay, okay. when I'm 40, right? There's only 10 years away or so. So I'm like, nah, screw it, man. I need to, I need to, you know, I need to live this like down like once in my life. Then next time I can drive like some lame, <laughs> you know, some lame Rolls Royce, like some Altus or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like nothing against Altus, but like I just want to, you know, just play with the Supra for a little bit. So to wrap this conversation, yeah. um, we live in a time where everyone has a smartphone, mm. and the the power of the camera that they mm. keep coming out with mm. megapixels right or technically uh, te- technically kind of rivals that of the digital camera yep so in this era where everyone is a photographer is able to take pictures mm. it, it used to be perhaps highly skilled or like mm. photographers used to be highly skilled but mm. in this era where everyone is able to take a picture what makes a photographer it goes back to art form, I guess. You know, like um, it's just a tool, right? I mean, if 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 you can shoot like what I shoot with a phone, then like that's good for you, man. Like you know, if 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 holding the phone like that and shooting um makes you feel good, and if you know in twenty twenty one there's like fifty megapixels in your iPhone, then, fifty megapixels. I mean, it's getting there, right? Okay. Like then, then so be it. I mean, now what? How, how many? cameras does your phone have like my my wife has got like three or something on it it's like yeah a bunch a bunch yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like you've already got like different focal lengths right yeah. um but yeah it, it's 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 the joy of photography like you know the process is 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 the art and you know the result is just i think i think the result's the bonus right it's obviously the last thing anyone sees but you have to enjoy everything in between and um I have no qualms with like you using a phone, you know, like I know tons of people made, made a career, you know, maybe using the phone as a transitional tool to become something more yep. just because that's all they had. Yep. Yep. And if, if this tool becomes what you use in the end, I mean, I don't have an issue with it. Maybe I'll start using a phone to shoot, but you know, when they create, <laughs> when they create shift lenses for phones, you know, why not? Right. I mean, if it's, if it's producing the work and if it feels right in your hand or in your tripod or whatever, yeah, then, do it. So I guess everything still comes down to the in- individual and how he or she might want to, I guess, really adopt 
the the process and the art form. Yeah, to make I mean, it I mean, it, it, it's it's really just that, right? Like there there are architects that you know I've spoken to who just like shooting their own projects because they they have a camera and they feel like they do good. Mm. But um, you know, I don't see it that way, and which is why I probably try to hint like at my services. Mm. But if they feel happy about it, then power to them. Um, but you know, it comes back to being that individual artist or brand again. Like, why do people use ESOP soaps? You know, what's what's so good? I mean, why why are they like what are they sixty dollars a bottle? I mean, I love ESOP, right? <laughs> They're like one of my best clients, and I love their products. But um, you could get like a you know Dettol or whatever for yeah. like six dollars. Yeah. Right. Why why pay like ten times the price? But if for some reason the the process of that brown bottle. With that liquid coming out of the nozzle makes you feel good. Or like it's the shopping experience or the smell mm. or it makes you feel cleaner or whatever. Then that's that, right? That's always going to be that premium, you know, like goes back to cars, goes back to clothing, you know, you easily shop at Uniqlo, mm. right? And they're great. But um, some people just like $500 t-shirts, <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know? So maybe I'm that $500 yes. t-shirt, <laughs> you know, hope to be. So, All right. Um, yeah. Where can people find your stuff? Where can people find uh, your works? Yeah. Online, studioperiphery.com, at studioperiphery on Instagram. Personal stuff occasionally at Cool Bean Cake on Instagram. Okay. And it and it uh, it types as it spells Cool Bean Cake? Yeah, Cool Bean Cake. Okay. Yeah. That's all? That's it, I think. All right. Uh, thank you for the conversation, Mark. Thank you for your time. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode and feel inspired. If you enjoyed what you heard thus far, do give us a follow on Instagram. And don't forget to share and subscribe. Stay tuned for the next episode.